I'm Kyle. And I'm Trevor. And welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. Uh, if you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein we introduce each other to films, expand our cinematic horizons, and, in essence, catch up on our cinema. So it is the month of May 2022, and uh, this is the wrap-up to our Masterclass Revisited month. Essentially what we're going to be doing, or what we were intending to be doing this month, uh, was taking a look at Masterclass's past and uh, just revisiting these franchises that we've talked about in depth and uh, talk about any titles that we may have missed over the past several years. So uh, it was not our first Masterclass, but it was one of our earliest ones, uh, the Alien franchise. Mm -hmm. uh, as it so happens, uh, we did the entirety of the Alien and the Aliens vs. Predator series, uh, the theatrical films, that is, uh, not like video game spinoffs and yeah. whatnot. Um, but there was one little thing we left behind, Kyle, and uh, what what would that be? That would be the movie Prometheus, and I believe this is 2012? Correct. 2012. Yeah, we did, excuse me, we did Alien Covenant very early on. Um, it was one of our earlier episodes, and I think, did we do the Masterclass after we did Alien Covenant? Uh, I think we did the Masterclass, and then we ended up doing Covenant as part of a bizarre month that uh, I seem to remember you furrowing your brow at me about, where it was like, most recent entry in a long-running yeah. franchise month. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> it, it was very haphazard. It was slapped together. But hey, we got a we got a couple good reviews out of that. I enjoyed talking about the David Gordon Green Halloween and Alien Covenant. I love Alien Covenant. I've watched it. I think I've, it's one of the most rewatched aliens for me. It's you've upgraded it to a love. Oh uh, yeah, I, I actually I've gone back and rewatched it. I I really do like that movie. Um, but this one kind of fell through the cracks. Um, because it, it is a prequel, of course, but this is also one where Trevor and I don't, at the time, we didn't really see eye to eye on this one. Yeah, we probably still don't. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Ridley Scott's Prometheus. Um, this has actually been like a, a long in development episode. Uh, in fact, we, we had intended to have Brad, uh, our good buddy Brad from the Cinema Speak podcast involved in the conversation uh, largely because he's a very big fan of this film, as far as I understand, and Kyle is as well, um, while I'm kind of a little bit lukewarm on it, and I thought it would be fun to have the contrast in the in the opinions on it uh, for a three-way discussion. But, you know, scheduling's a bitch, especially mm -hmm. around Memorial Day weekend, uh, so it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> it couldn't be a worse time for us to schedule this particular episode. I think every, all of us were just all over the place. Yeah, yeah. We all had a lot of personal shit. We do got real lives and stuff. So it didn't exactly come together. But Kyle and I are here now, and uh, we're prepared to talk about Prometheus. So um, this is our wrap-up on the Alien Masterclass for the time being. Yeah. Uh, as far as I understand, the current future for the franchise uh, lies in the hands of Fede Alvarez, uh, who was previously the director of the Evil Dead remake, mm. uh, which Kyle and I actually did review, yes. and we both quite enjoyed. Yes, um, He's put in some good work. He's pretty adept at playing with other people's toys and putting a new spin on the, on the series lore and stuff, so uh, I'm pretty confident he'll give us something pretty neat, uh, so I think the future is actually kind of bright for, for the Alien series, and, and in fact, I think it's one of the, the rare series that it doesn't really have like a super low point honestly mm -hmm. like it's it's not terribly consistent in terms of quality but none of them are like total eyesores i think resurrection is probably my least favorite of all of of all of it it's the one that doesn't jive as mm -hmm. well with the other ones in terms of tone and it's, even yeah. color palette it, it has a very different look and feel to very it very much 
It's very French. <laughs> yeah, 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 very much. Uh, so um, I guess we've already we've discussed our personal history with the Alien franchises, uh, or Alien franchise at this point. But I'll just say that this is uh, a movie that I saw in the theater. I saw it with my brother and my dad, who are both you know science fiction connoisseurs. Um, we all really we walked out of it like wow. Like what sold me on this was like one I saw a preview for it, and then somebody I don't know who was just like you know it's a prequel to the Alien movie. I'm like done. We're gonna go to the theater and watch this. I think it might have even been Nick who told me. Uh, that it was a prequel. I can hear Nick in my head say that. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, do you want to go to the theater and watch it? Yeah, we, we went and watched it. We're like, that was pretty awesome. Um, and I've rewatched it a few times since then. Um, it, it, was, did, it did a lot of time on HBO or something at the time. It was just like I would come home like, yeah, it's on. Yeah. Uh, so this is actually the first time I've gone back and just rewatched it like as I would in the theater, like actually paying attention to what's happening. Um, still enjoy it, but I do have a few issues. I think that's a fair assessment, and uh, I think I think that's actually a huge component of like whether you really really enjoy this movie or not. Is Ridley Scott is an incredible visualist. Um, not all of his movies come together as beautifully as others, but every time he makes a movie, it's like you don't really need to think about. It. It's like yeah, go see it. Yeah, like at the very least, you'll get some cool images. There'll be one or two standout scenes. You'll never be totally disappointed. Apparently House of Gucci is a bit of a stinker. <laughs> That's a highly divisive film, though. Yeah. Um, some people like really lean into the campy elements of it, and they think that Jared Leto is like putting in like a <laughs> like a, a, a like totally over the top incredible performance. Some people think he's a total fucking joke and it's borderline offensive. If not like explicitly offensive, he's kind of like the Adam Sandler of serious actors. Like he just has this body of work, and people are like, "Oh, he's so great." But it's going to be a few years, and we're like, "Oh, he's really not talented." <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is about Jared Leto. I I I think a lot of producers think he's more capable of putting asses in seats than he actually is. Although, not to go off on a total fucking tangent, but I was reading an article the other day that was deeply disappointing. Um, just just in the general direction of the human race <laughs> apparently <laughs> <be> from anywhere <laughs> apparently the morbius film is playing like non-stop on twitch channels oh my God. i mean it's not legal to do that but sony doesn't give a shit like they're like yeah i mean nobody likes this movie anyway so we'll just let them do what they're going to do and apparently it's becoming very very popular i don't know if that's ironic entertainment because i don't know if the people exposing themselves to that film have an understanding of what that means or what that entails. I think the Twitch mods have more important fish to fry as far as monitoring what's going yeah, on. Yeah, ab- absolutely. But it's it's just like where where are we yeah. as as a as the human race that that Morbius is on a twenty four seven stream and is. Well, I mean, maybe it'll be the thing that unites us as a people. As as we can all get together for Morbid time. It's all going to end soon, Trevor. Don't worry. <laughs> but um, coming back to Prometheus, um, as I said, really, Scott, incredible visualist, mm-hmm. and that rings very true with this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is absolutely gorgeous to look at. I feel bad. Brad was really looking forward. He told me that he was really looking forward to uh, dust off his 4K for this. And I'm like, oh, man. And we're just like, it's not going to work. I'm sorry, Brad. It's going to go right back on the backlog. It'll be yeah. another five years before you think about it. <laughs> I'm sorry, bud. <laughs> we're right, right there. Right there. I mean, worst case scenario for me would be if he actually did watch it. And then, then we pulled the plug at the last second. Because yeah. I was really hoping to avoid that. Anyway, um, I did not see this film in the theater. And I think that probably affects my opinion of it to some extent because 
like in IMAX or maybe even more so in 3D. In 3D! Uh, I could see this movie being astounding, like like very immersive and very powerful at times because the combination of the, the audio and the visuals and the heady themes at work, I could totally see this movie just like washing over people and really hitting them hard and, mm-hmm. and being a, a depthful experience. But for me, I saw this probably on HBO for the first time with my dad in the room who is prone to throwing slippers at the TV when, when it starts to flicker and stuff. So I probably didn't have the best introduction to this. Really, that can mess up your focus, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it would be hard to key in on some of those finer details. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's really cool that you got to do that with your family. Yeah. Um, so I'll give a plot summary real quick for anybody who hasn't seen it. Um, a couple of uh, archaeologists uh, have stumbled onto a pattern that they've seen uh uh, across con- uh, uh, intercontinental, <laughs> <laughs> the engineer with the intercontinental belt. Uh, the IC title goes to the engineer and his juggernaut. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they've put together a pattern, and they've they've uh, believe they discovered that uh, the beginning, the origins of uh, human existence. Uh, it, the answer is in some far off planet that has an Earth like sun. And some billionaire funds their expedition out there to figure it out, and more or less merry mishaps ensue. Yeah, that's pretty succinct. Yeah. And uh, actually, the, the the way the movie is paced out, I will give it a lot of credit for that. There's a lot of fat that gets trimmed, especially in the early goings. Although, we may have to talk about that a little bit, because Kyle is a big fan of, like, I don't know, investigation movies or, like, yeah, you know, like searching for something or like, like I don't know. like Putting the clues together. Yeah, yeah, you know, like trying to solve a caper or something. Mm-hmm. Like, like Kyle's a big fan of that, whether it be storm chasing or mm-hmm. uh, driving around in a panel van looking for Will Smith. Yep. Uh, <laughs> watched both of those movies this year. <laughs> Great. Yep. Good, good choice. Um, and you're kind of robbed of that because the science in this movie is played extraordinarily fast and loose. And not only that, the buildup, there is none. We just we're just there. We just get we just get to the dig site. Oh wait, there's no digging to be done, and things just keep fucking rolling from there. Yeah, I don't I I don't um I don't have a problem with that in this movie. It's I think the I think maybe the reason why I don't have a problem with it is the bluntness with with which he the the story kind of just expectations are just just thrown out the window. Like at the end, basically, it's just like we oh my gosh we we have this engineer. And we can talk to him. And he's just like, I could not care less about you. And it's like, well, what the fuck was the point? Like, we just <laughs> spent all this money to come out here. And kind of like this, like they stumble on this. Uh, I, it's they don't realize it's a ship. It's just like immediately, but it immediately goes wrong. Um, but it's also engineered to go wrong immediately because of our, you know, piece of shit android. <laughs> Well, yeah, it, a lot of it comes down to the filmmaker and the editor and the studio deciding. That's not what we're doing. Mm. So we we can't devote extra screen time to expanding on these things because we need we need to get to where the story is actually intended to go. So I was just curious if you felt robbed of that, but it sounds like not at all. No, I and I like this is kind of a different spin on whatever uh, virus you want to call this 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 black stuff that causes xenomorphs, whatever it is. Yeah, I like the way it plays out, and I actually like the pacing of it. Um, I'm like going back. I'm like oh, I kind of like the way this this kind of plays out. After that, that's where it kind of gets a little wonky. 
Okay, well, yeah. you did mention that your bro uh, tipped you off to the fact that the movie was an alien prequel. Do I feel robbed there was no xenomorphs? No, I wasn't <laughs> going to go there. But, but uh, from a marketing standpoint, that was a very big thing with this movie. Yeah. Um, and actually, it's somewhat of a controversial element of it. Um, because there's a reason Alien Covenant is what it is. Mm-hmm. It's because parts of this movie very obviously didn't work for you know the people that were really banking on this being a, quote, secret alien movie. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely not. Um, it's a prequel in that it takes place in the same universe on the same timeline far before the mm-hmm. events of the other movies. But beyond that, it actually has no direct con- direct connection. No, not um, yet. Not yet. Yeah. Um, actually, that's something I, I really want to get into because I do think that this movie benefits from the existence of Alien Covenant. Mm. I think it plays a little bit more strong, like given that we've had more time with David, mm-hmm. and as a result, it almost I I'm actually shocked myself that I'm I'm find myself in a position where I f- I would feel robbed if we didn't get a follow up film to Alien Covenant. We would be robbed, absolutely. Yeah, because that that movie has a fantastic ending. David is a compelling character, very, and much more so I think because we've had two different movies to observe him from two very different angles, and it's like I. Honestly, I'm not terribly concerned about the alien or the engineer stuff. It's like, can I just like hang out with David for two more hours? Yeah, and I, need, <laughs> I honestly, I need Ridley Scott to bust his fucking android nut already. Because, I mean, we've got Raised by Wolves, Blade Runner, Aliens. It's like, dude, you have to... What is it about androids that you need to get across? Like, he's been talking about it for years. Decades. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he'd have a very blunt and straightforward answer for you because he is a wonderful interview, and oftentimes he cuts right to the chase. Yeah. <laughs> like, like he's not big on like waxing poetic about the themes in his movies. It's like, no, it looked cool. Yeah, <laughs> I liked his hair. <laughs> it's like, Fastbender's a cool dude. I wanted to hang out with him. <laughs> Something like that. But um, talking about the, the the prequel element of this movie, I'll just take a couple minutes here to. Uh, explain the road to Prometheus because it's an interesting one and I think it actually affects my uh, ability to engage with the film because it does feel a little bit um, Kyle is cracking a can of uh, okay. LaCroix around okay. the corner sorry. I was it, trying to not derail your, your that, your that, that was there. not him farting around the corner, <laughs> uh, that was him cracking a can, just so you know <laughs> just so we're being do, upfront and honest I was trying it. to do that quietly, but it did not work Okay. <laughs> sorry Kyle, I had, to, I had to um, okay, sorry. anyway um, the road to Prometheus uh, was fascinating to me uh, because as far as I understand, Ridley Scott in the 2000s uh, did express interest uh, in doing an alien prequel. Like, he was prepared. He was like, yeah, I think I'd like to revisit that world because it's kind of extraordinary. He yeah. started that franchise in 1979 and he did not come back to it until 2017 proper in, like in terms of like putting a xenomorph on the screen. I mean, Prometheus 2012, that would be his return to the franchise. That's an incredibly long time to be away from a thing. But I did think it was really fascinating to hear that he, not the studio, wanted to do that. Like, he actually, he and the studio were both interested. Because, I mean, Fox, of course, was just, like, knocking on everyone's door saying, like, hey, we got the rights to this alien thing. Um, it would really be cool if we could continue pumping out movies of it regardless of how good they are yeah for sure (laughs) Um, but then when ridley scott comes to you and says he wants to do it it's like take my money yes (laughs) yes please um but what's really fascinating about that is that he started out wanting to do an alien prequel and uh 
he through his his scot free uh, production company. I know. Uh, I love their production banner, by yeah, the way. Yeah. The the hand painted animation. Mm-hmm. It's gorgeous. Yeah. It's like oil painting, I think. But um, uh, John Spites or Spots uh, wrote the initial screenplay for the film. Uh, he was contracted by Ridley Scott. Like the two of them were working very closely. And funny enough, the intention initially uh, was to Rogue One this bitch. Oh, really? Yes. Uh, the final scene was going to be oh. John Hurt or. I, he was still alive at the time, I think. Uh, maybe yeah, he, maybe he had recently passed, but um, it would have been John Hurt descending uh, into you know the derelict ship and coming across the the alien egg sac. Yeah, which which is the ending of Rogue One. It's yeah. like it gets us to the frame that we we begin the next chapter. Um, but apparently, Ridley Scott and the studio a combination thereof. Uh, that Peter Jackson did. <laughs> like, never know we can stretch this for three movies. Well, yeah, I mean, it's like you, you just gotta, you just gotta touch it. You, yeah. just, you, you can't, you can't not touch. Yeah. You can't not touch. Let's, just, let's do this. Let's do another three. Yeah, yeah. He he just had to futz with it, and he kept futzing with it. And by his own admission, as far as I understand, he became enamored with the engineers and the idea of the of humanity and where we come from and the questions therein. Um, and as a result, Damon Lindelof was brought onto the project. Uh, Brad uh, from the Cinema Speak podcast, as far as I know, is a very big fan of his work. Uh, he was one of the chief writers on Lost. So, he- Brad, cover your ears. <laughs> yeah, earmuffs. <laughs> um, I don't have a personal opinion of the man. However, just in listening to interviews with the guy and in observing his work from afar over the years, he is a divisive figure. His tricks of the trade don't work for everyone. Um and I think the combination of him writing on top of the initial script results in it being a little herky-jerky at times to me. Like, it feels like there's a combination of ideal ideas and concepts that don't necessarily coalesce, especially beautifully. Um, but as a result, the end product um, is kind of, like, rejiggered in such a way that we're pivoting away from the idea of having the Rogue One story, and we're just doing an entirely original thing um and a lot of that came from damon lindelof's involvement um but i think the the biggest takeaway though is that this was a project that ridley scott was really 100 percent involved in like he this wasn't a paycheck for him this was something he was really excited to do and i listened to the guy's commentary he's a very honest straightforward guy he's his commentaries are incredible (laughs) um and he sounded like he had a blast making this movie so regardless of what i or other people think of it he loves it he think it, he thought it was a grand old time gotcha yeah well i'm gonna uh, knock out some of the cast real quick here because uh, we do have quite a few notable names uh numi rapaz i think she's the girl with the dragon tattoo correct one of those uh she's playing shaw we have of course michael fassbender playing david Charlize theron mm-hmm. playing vickers miss vickers I'm just call her miss vickers uh logan marshall green who did we did we actually record an episode on that movie no okay. uh, so uh Proposed episode never recorded. Upgrade. Upgrade. There we go. Uh, he he's a Tom Hardy light. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, then we have Guy Pierce uh, in makeup. <laughs> Heavy makeup. Heavy makeup. <laughs> Idris Elba, whose name is Janik, but I never caught his name, and he has a weird his exposition near the end of the film. I'm like, what? 
Like, I had to look over my shoulder. I'm like, where the fuck did this come from? Uh, that was an additional scene, Kyle. <laughs> okay. That was filmed after the fact. And, I, and it, it felt shows. like it. it. It's lit differently. I'm pretty sure Nomi Rapace has a different haircut. Yeah. Uh, he looks like he's maybe lost some weight or something. Yeah. It, it is it's, shot at a different time and place. It's something else. <laughs> uh, Benedict Wong, who is big now. Uh, yeah. 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 He is Wong from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, yeah. uh, tied into Doctor Strange. He is he's big. Wong. Shit these days. A little too on the nose there. Uh, and then, <laughs> Benedict Wong playing Wong. <laughs> yes. uh, and then one of my favorite uh, character actors, uh, the comedic character actors, Rafe Spall, who doesn't get to be funny in this movie. No, yeah. not really. No. Um, but yeah, you want to jump in, talk about this a little bit? Because I think this opening scene is. It's, uh, it's very bizarre, uh, especially when you have no idea what you're getting yourself into uh, as far as like an alien prequel is concerned. Yeah, I, I think this movie plays better if you divorce the the alien elements from it because uh, we we went over this when we talked about Alien Covenant the 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 genealogy the life cycle of of the quote xenomorph is so baffling and makes no goddamn sense like yeah. like the conclusion that I think we're meant to come to uh, that we only reached in Alien Covenant not at all expressed in this film is that the xenomorph is a product of the black goo and David's engineering. Yes. So it is it is a combination of the engineers and David's technology somehow integrated into some other life forms and whatnot. Yeah. Which by that logic there's there are no xenomorphs yet in existence during the events of Prometheus. Yeah. There are things that are analogous to them are, are similar cousins i guess but we we do not yet have xenomorphs <laughs> yeah we get this uh we're on like we get the credits over what looks kind of like an alien planet it doesn't look hospitable like it doesn't look like a place that you'd want to live it uh, looks primitive very primitive yeah uh and we just get this uh, shot of this humanoid some kind of some kind of human thing uh looking up at a, a spaceship and it's taken off and he just drops trow <laughs> and uh he drinks this black goo and then we get which this was a little late in the game to have this, where we have the we're going in to see the the DNA like breaking down. You know what I mean? Like this was like I think X Men. There was a couple other movies that around like the late aughts where this was a thing. Yeah, no, this is like a microscopic level cinematography. I think it plays beautifully. It does. Um, this whole sequence is gorgeous to look at, mm -hmm. and the. The music that accompanies it it almost feels like a like a nature documentary or something but that that's how powerful it is it, it really does feel like you're observing something of import and significance um i really love the the visuals and uh apparently there was a uh, cut scene uh from from this um that it would have been this character the engineer um along with many Ooh. many of his cohorts like there would be people observing this what appears to be some form of ritual um but yeah uh, he has a he has a like it looks like a jar of this this black goo that he disrobes and super fucking jacked yeah. um, <laughs> i love the makeup um it's incredible these are pro like that this is actually they built like this is a guy wearing like a suit yeah uh, this is ian white i think uh, who portrays the engineer plural because this is not the same as the one we get at the end but uh he's a huge fella he's he's a frequent stunt player he's worn many a costume including i think predators mm -hmm. uh in the past in avp 
I believe he was also in Game of Thrones as well. Probably. But he's a big fucking guy. <laughs> um, but he's wearing pounds of makeup, and that's one thing that Kyle probably really appreciates about this movie is the practical effects on display. Yeah, that squid at the end is practical. It has CGI goop to rough out the, you know, to like soften some of the rough edges, but it is a physical prop. It is a rod puppet, um, as, as is the deacon, as they call it at the very end of the film. But more than that, the sets. Mm-hmm. That, that, the thing that blew my mind, like watching some of the making of material, was the, the star map. Um, that, that set, like the engineer's like, like cock, cockpit or whatever, the hologram set. Yeah. That, was a real, that was a real thing that they built, and the ceilings were that high. And it's like it's not really extended by CGI or anything. So when they pull the camera back on that high crane shot, it's like, no, that's that's Spare really no there. expense. Yeah, yeah spare, I mean, it's really fucking Scott. Yeah. <laughs> and he wants to do an alien movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're going to throw money at it. But um, but yeah, the, the makeup effects on the engineers, it's really cool having an actual actor like wear this makeup. And just the like the semi-translucent quality to the skin texture, is, it's like, wow, that's incredible. Yeah, just starting out, you're like, what the fuck is happening? Like, this is it's bizarre. Like, okay, we have a lot of questions already. Like, who is this dude? What's happening? Uh, yeah, and he, from what you can glean just on a visual level, uh, we have a white, like a white-skinned man standing by a waterfall. He ingests this black goo, and there's a gigantic flying saucer hanging over this waterfall that, like, in time with him drinking this goo, it it's like, oh, time to boogie. Time like, to go. Yeah, it takes off as soon as he does that. But yeah, his body, like, we go in, like, on a DNA level, um, and we see his body is just totally obliterated by this goo. Um, and did you catch his knee giving out? That was that was that was like oh R rating because <laughs> no. like his his body is dissolving yeah like, like these cancerous like like developments are like popping up all over his body all these black spots and then his kneecap like the flesh of it disintegrates and the weight of his body collapses down on his kneecap and oh. that's what causes him to fall off the waterfall. I did not see that. This is a pretty cool crunch. I think Ridley Scott gave like a <laughs> like like he was happy with that. Nice. Um, but yeah, he falls into the waterfall, and uh, his DNA, like, is obliterated and seemingly dissolved, but then it, like, reconstitutes, and it forms new cellular structures when we get the Prometheus title underwater, and it's heavily implied and confirmed that this is supposed to be the beginning of life on Earth, is the, this, this alien being, uh, through this ritual, uh, caused the creation of life on our planet, so this I'm- was supposed to be Earth. I did not catch that. I just thought they were destroying a planet. Like, it was going to, like, the, his his body goo was going to, like, further destroy the planet or something like that. I didn't really piece that together. Well, like I said, I'm not, I'm not hugely familiar with the guy's body of work. I don't really have a personal opinion. He is a divisive figure. That is apparently a hallmark of Damon Lindelof's writing style. Is to leave things somewhat enigmatic and to leave you guessing. That's an interesting idea. I, I think he finds it entertaining, but... I could see that not working for some people. Uh, yeah, and then we get to our dig, I believe, uh, with uh, Shaw and what's the dude's name? I can't remember his name. Uh, Holloway. Holloway. Yeah, they're uh, digging, I think, in like Scotland or something like that, and they find another one of those star things, uh, another star drawing, like awesome. And then we get the Prometheus. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's not a jarring cut, but it's like oh. All right. We're in space. We're in space okay. now. But yeah, we cut from Scotland, where they, they find these cave paintings of a giant figure pointing to these... Five stars, I think. Yeah, it's yeah. it's like a series of circular structures hanging in the sky. 
and uh, they exposit back and forth between each other that it's the same as the other ones. We don't know what that means yet, but apparently it's like millennia older than any that they've seen prior. Yeah. Um, and uh, Shaw, Nomi Rapace, uh, she's she is like crying, like she's in tears, and she says she thinks they want us to come and find them. And that's actually one of my big problems with the script. It works on a character level. It's just a little bit frustrating for someone like me who can't quite identify with the mindset because I'm a very cautious person. (laughs) I don't rush headlong into things. That's not in my nature. There are a lot of assumptions made by a lot of the major players in the, in the story and her being chief among them that it, the way I describe this movie sometimes in casual conversation uh, is it's, it's like a, it's a very smart, dumb movie, or a very dumb, smart movie, where it's like, it, it seemed, on the exterior, it seems like this is like, this is a, wow, this is a brilliant work of science fiction, but then you listen to the way some of the people talk, and you, like, track some of the decisions made, and it starts to feel almost like a Friday the 13th movie, including the banging. I think it was <laughs> supposed to frustrate you. Yes. Because, I mean, take Billy Crud up from Covenant, like... Oh, fuck. <laughs> not, not from a horror standpoint, but from an ideology standpoint. And I think these characters are are tamed down. They're Diet Coke of that version. Well, I'm not trying to be inflammatory, but Faith is like a really it's, strong element of her character. So from her standpoint, they're, it's like, no, like... I believe in this. Yeah. Whereas my myself, I lack that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I can't follow that. Where I'm like, what makes you think that's true? Like, like what evidence have you seen to think that 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 cave drawing from thirty five thousand years ago tells you that they want you to come find them? Yeah, I remember my dad specifically said, "I'm like, we were like, what if this other person had joined us? Like, oh, they would have walked out. Like, this would have been very, Ooh. very challenging. Ooh, for yeah, them I could see that. Very religious. Yeah. Um, and I had a blast watching it, but both, you know." The other people that watched it were like, yeah, it was a fun time, but, you know, it's pretty out there. It's pretty crazy. Um, but, yeah, I think that sh- the, the character, sh- she's a frustrating character. Uh, the way she's written. The way the way she's written yes. is very frustrating. Yes. Um, because we'll get to, I want, when we get to Miss Vickers, I want to discuss the female characters. Please. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think that's an important thing to touch on. But yeah, then we get introduced to David, who's doing all his waltzing around, and we can, we kind of gather that he's an android it's pretty it's pretty quick that we figure this out yeah and this is where i found myself like again this is after alien covenant this is where i realized like i really don't care about a whole lot of this but i really just want more scenes to hang out with fastbender slash david because it's so well put together Mm -hmm. and just in terms of like visual storytelling you learn so much about the guy without any words spoken and as i've said like ridley scott i feel like that's one of his strengths is like so good as this character he's incredible yeah. like and and like i said the performance i think is actually bolstered by having seen alien covenant in Ooh. fact I, my wires got crossed when i put this movie on because the opening of that movie i transposed onto this one mm-hmm. uh because it's that scene with him and guy pierce yeah that's an incredible scene that almost feels like it should be in this movie. <laughs> it should be, absolutely. I think, um, I think you're right. That would make it kind of makes more sense than this. But yeah, I, I want a David trilogy. Like I like my personal gripes about the Xenomorph, what what's its and whatnot. Like I'm I'm a huge mark for that stuff. Like I will show up if you put a corona headed black skinned alien in your movie. Yeah. Like I will show up. Shut up shut up and take my money. Done. Yeah. But at this point, I 
I just want a David trilogy it, where we can put a, a put a bow on that particular story. It kind of it really is. Yeah, like yeah, because the that, second he's movie, the through line. He is, yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, he's waltzing about. We see that he's um, he's uh, good at learning languages. Um, he's uh, he eats and he like, kind of talks to himself, which I'm. I don't really know if that's a thing. I don't. I don't remember ever seeing any of the other androids talking to themselves. Specifically, if you remember, what's uh, what's his name? What do you call him from Aliens? Ian Holm. Bishop. Oh, Bishop. Bishop. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah they're, aliens. They're oh. very like they don't they don't talk unless somebody talks to them. Like Bishop is like very quiet when he's just looking at stuff. But David's walking around talking to himself, which going back and knowing how his character turns out I'm like that's kind of some, a detail that I didn't notice before well I could be talking out my ass it's a podcast uh, <laughs> I mean yeah it's, that's the point but this uh, this is a prequel in that it takes place at the forefront of the timeline for the alien fr- franchise mm-hmm. now they even give a date which I don't think they did in the other movies except maybe in like small text on screens and stuff that we can't really see but uh, 2093 um, and we end on New Year's Day 2094, by the way. Um, I seem to recall exposition from Bishop in Aliens where uh, he explains what happened to Ian Holm, where he's like, that was an older yeah. model. They were glitchy. They had some issues. Um, so this, this is 2093. This takes place before the events of both of those films. Um, stands to reason we've had artificial people for for a hot minute nobody's surprised to see david on the ship mm-hmm. so we've we've had this for a while okay. so from a design standpoint i'm sure some tweaks were made and it wouldn't surprise me if maybe he was too he had too much character to him mm-hmm. and that's what leads to david becoming a fucking crazy <laughs> cyborg well, that, that, that's why that's the yeah. thing is like that they kind of explain it he's like i was made it's an alien company he's like, i was made different like i was specifically not made to be one of the other ones yeah, yeah. so I, I think the idea is that he's probably meant to be more human mm-hmm. uh whereas bishop is intentionally designed to be far less because he's safer in that way he can he can read people's dreams while they sleep. Yeah, he's a dirty perv. Like like that's invasive, buddy. Like you can't do that. You got to ask permission. Yeah, that's also stupid. Like I don't understand what that adds. Like why would that be something that he can do? And why would he add? Because he's got he's got cerebro. He's got he's got his his Professor X helmet. <laughs> he just he just walks around the ship just snooping on people's dreams. That's fucking weird, man. I thought, I thought it was kind of silly. <laughs> it is fucking weird. Uh, they there was an intention to for like an expanded scene involving that technology so it's probably like a leftover element um but yeah we get this weird scene uh where he's snooping on numi rapace on on shaw so he's reading her dreams as she's in cryosleep and uh random patrick wilson random south african patrick wilson or some shit <laughs> uh i didn't i did not remember that that was a shocker yeah. This is the only scene he's in, but uh, he is her father, and we have like a flashback um, rendered in a very interesting fashion. Uh, the 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 visual of it, where it has like a I don't know a piss color to it, yeah, and it has these like white pixels kind of surrounding all the figures in the frame. Um, but it's like the two of them in like a village somewhere in Africa, um, and and the two of them uh, talking about her mother having passed away, and the the notion of heaven comes up where he exposes to her that he her father believes in in this because he believes in it um and I, it it's heavily implied that she followed suit um there's a lot of cross imagery thrown in front of the screen as well that becomes a totem for her that she carries throughout the majority of the film um 
but from then uh we we bounce into da- like just a montage of david daviding yeah and, and it's wonderful we i love that he wears sandals mm-hmm. <laughs> like flip-flop sandals There's a couple people that wear sandals uh which is kind of funny I, I mean future technology i guess i guess we're sandal people now but um i love when he finds that like speck of something on the ship and he the way he squats down and like examines it mm. <laughs> it's like incredible posture like he's highly coordinated in the way he moves and like the way he blinks and speaks um Apparently they're like sending out a transmission of some girl playing a violin, like in an attempt to like establish contact if there are any aliens out there. Um, we get to see him riding around on a bat, like a, a bicycle, throw like shooting a basket while while riding a bicycle and like yeah. spinning it on his finger. It's like ah yeah, this is not a human being. Uh, he's eating something that looks like fish eggs. Uh, he's learning every language available to him because I guess this is his task for prepping to meet the engineers uh, should they meet them um and then we see that he has a fascination with film uh, he likes watching movies uh, in particular lawrence of arabia um, and he fashions his appearance and his speech pattern after peter o'toole in that film mm. i thought that was really cute that like he he's an android but at the same time it's like he still seeks entertainment and novelty um, and we even get to see him uh, like combing his hair to like match the character and like uh, attempting to emulate the speech pattern while he's looking at himself in the mirror. And uh, he has a quote here: "The trick is not minding that it hurts," uh, which kind of plays into some of the things he does later on in the film, I guess, or at least his uh, general perception of humanity and his uh, relation to it. Like David goes on a journey in this movie that like gets really hammered home in alien covenant where it's like i I think i'm better than these people like they made me but i think i'm better than them yeah (laughs) and i don't see any i don't see any counterpoint to that so he's a sociopath oh absolutely just an indestructible sociopath (laughs) absolutely Um, dennis reynolds um yeah vickers wakes up yeah so this is is where like going back and rewatching this so one thing that's very important with the alien franchise uh is Strong female leads like Scorny Weaver is especially in those first two movies um, is you know that she kind of breaks the mold. It's not a it wasn't a very common thing. Well, at least not from what I gathered from that decade uh, <laughs> or from that uh, for from that uh, genre. Um, but this is kind of them setting Vickers up to be that kind of that kind of character where she gets out of the cryo sleep and she's just doing push ups immediately. Which is not what happens to anybody when they get out of these things. John Hurt has to meditate for like fifteen minutes and have a smoke. Yeah, so, <laughs> I mean you've got it, like as the as it goes on, like they start puking. I do remember Vasquez does start doing pull ups when she gets out. Yeah, um, but yeah, so maybe maybe I'm thinking back to like Hicks looks like pounded shit. <laughs> yeah, this is not how people wake up, but she's doing push ups, and you can tell like she's. Uh, she's the boss. She's just like, well, wake everybody up. Like, just not taking any shit immediately. And just get going. Yeah, apparently Ridley Scott uh, asked if she would do this sequence nude. Uh, he did not get that. Uh, he did make a request. And actually, from a character standpoint, it... It would have made sense. It wouldn't have been frivolous. Like, I don't think it would have been, like, I don't think explicit or weird. I, from a character standpoint, what it's meant to demonstrate is that she doesn't regard David as human. He's less than... Um, because he walks into the room because it's his job to like make sure everybody's okay and she woke up before everyone else she's doing push-ups and she doesn't say hi she doesn't say anything other than towel yeah and she treats him like a manservant basically 
It also would have made sense. Uh, it would have been more socially acceptable for a guy to be like, say, she was just topless, like in there doing push-ups, and that's kind of a thing. That's kind of a riff that she has with her father. Yes. Spoiler alert. So that kind of would have made sense that like she kind of carries herself like with somebody like that. You know? What oh I mean? yeah. Yeah. No, she is. She is in charge. Yeah. Um, very much so. Um, yeah, so we wake up the rest of the jabronis, everybody's puking, um, <laughs> and the one goes, oh, we made it, babe, it's gonna be awesome. That's a really good Logan Marshall Green impression, he's, at least in this movie. Yeah. Uh, he's, so, he's from New York in this movie. <laughs> something that I hope they never stop doing, uh, it's one of my favorite things that doesn't make sense, is smoking in space. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I just, I did like a, right... <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we get Idris album. Uh, he's putting together, um, putting together as a Christmas tree. Yeah, it's Christmas. Smoking. I love Idris album when he's American. I I don't know what to make of it because I I can't I can't buy into it is the problem because because it, it's like I don't know what that is but that is not American. <laughs> See, I was introduced to him as Ameri- as an American. Like, oh. <laughs> this might have been the first movie I saw him in that I either that or American Gangster. I think it was American Gangster was the first thing I saw him in where he was same in. director, by the way. So when I heard when I heard him speak with his natural British accent, I'm like, oh, whoa! I was not expecting. He that. is thoroughly British. He's very British. <laughs> <laughs> he is quite British. Um, and in this movie, he's trying to do like a Southern drawl. Yeah, a little and, bit. And it's like. I, that's an approximation of a southern drawl, I guess. <laughs> Same with Rafe Spall, by the by the way. He's also doing a southern thing. As much as we love Fassbender, when his Walter and his accent and the counselor, it drives me nuts. Oh, his Walter's terrible. Yeah, his Wal- yeah. Walter. It's, it's the same thing in same thing in the counselor. Like, it's bad. He he had some extra exhale on some of those letters. Yeah, you can you can see the gears turning while he's trying to like reset his tongue. It, it's bad. <laughs> can I borrow your phone? It's my daughter's birthday. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude. Uh, what's funny is he and uh, Javier Bardem kind of does that too. He adds a few extra exhales um, when he's. Yeah, I don't know why he bothered. I don't. Yeah. yeah, it's like, dude, your your natural speech pattern is already yeah. very interesting. <laughs> very interesting. Uh, yeah. So we get introduced to some of our other characters here. I do like that Wong gets chopsticks for his uh, meal. Did you catch that? Yeah. yeah. Uh, some of the people have have chopsticks. There's a smoothie machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the Blue Sea cafeteria because we got these little conveyor belts running around, and also there's all these robot voices all these automated voices uh-huh. instructing people be pe- sure to hydrate yeah be sure to hydrate yeah. ingest lots of calories because you've been asleep for two plus years and you're probably dying <laughs> uh so rave spall i do uh i do I do like him, but his character is kind of goofy. It doesn't make. I didn't realize it was him for the longest time. Me too. It was very. He was very unrecognizable. I wouldn't have recognized him if you hadn't like, pointed it out. Yeah, if you hadn't been like telling me Rafe Spall is a thing for so many years because he was never on my radar until Kyle like pointed out like this is a this is a guy that does work like yeah. he he pops up in cool places. You should probably recognize that. And yeah, he's always engaging and he's trying here it's just he has very little screen time and his character is like unfor- like unforgivably dumb well, we, like he does some shit that's like whoa <laughs> well we've got a spectrum of scientists here so but he goes up to the guy with uh the sh- like the shaved sides of the head with long hair and a tattoo who's like just he's i don't know who drinks soup like this he's got the bowl <laughs> in his he's like 
holding the the bowl with his entire torso, basically. He looks like he's doing a dance that my friend taught me, where it's like, you got to keep it tight. You, you got to keep it. You got to protect this elbow. house. Conce- concentric circles. His elbows are <laughs> resting on his abdomen, and he is holding the bowl of soup in front of his. He face. looks like he's doing the Mike Tyson peekaboo yeah. peekaboo guard. Yeah, like, like he's got to keep it tight. You got to protect that chin. But yeah, he he is very cozy. He's not yet ready to mingle yes. <laughs> yes. and, he's, and he was like hey how's it going I'm Rafe Spall and he's just like yeah fuck off dude. you gotta put more drawl on I'm that not, I'm not here to have, I'm not here to make friends I'm just here to make money yeah this is uh, Sean Harris by the way uh, who uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, he's not a he's not a household name by any means but like mainstream like from, he looks like a dude from Underworld Mainstream audiences would probably recognize him from uh, the most recent Mission Impossible movies. Uh, he was the chief villain of the fifth one, and he's mm. also in the sixth one. Um, he he has a he has a speech pattern to him that is a. Uh, I, I hate to say it, but the guy is typecast as villains, as far as I can tell, just because he has a, 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 a villainous face. Yeah, he he's got that bone structure, and uh, he I don't know he's very good at being like a slimy villain type, and yeah. in this he's he's not. He's not evil or anything. He's just kind of he's just kind of sus, as the kids would say. I guess like he seems like like maybe he's got ulterior motives or he's prickly. But uh, as it so happens, he just happens to be a, a pothead that likes rocks. Yeah, uh, that's his story. <laughs> he doesn't carry himself like a pothead who likes rocks. I know I it, next... it kind of comes out of nowhere. <laughs> I live next door to a pothead who liked rocks. He's a geologist and. He's kind of an asshole. Actually, I take that back. He wasn't. He wasn't aggro <laughs> asshole. He was just like a rich, like a middle-aged asshole. Um, but, but yeah, but, I mean, he this these two characters, by the way, are are sandwiched together. Like yeah. they're they're pushed off to the side, and they they may as well just be corpses. Like that's why they're here, yeah. is we need a body count. And they may as well be, may as well have a talented body count. Yeah. It's a Ridley Scott movie; we can afford it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we get everybody down to the hangar bay, and uh, Char- Charlie is his name, Charlie and Shaw Elizabeth. Yeah, um, and they have to put together a presentation. Uh, for the whole crew, and you know what? I have to give it to Charlie. He does a great job with this presentation. Oh, he is an expert pounder PowerPoint. Mm, it is, it is good. I'm like taking notes. I'm like, okay, so that's that's good. With great, no, set. he what? he is very good at putting the right emphasis on the right syllable. Yeah. So let's try to explain to the listeners, like the way they put this together, like what, like you said at the beginning, it's like, okay, they want us to come find them, and it's like scratching head, like, what does this mean? <laughs> so when we get the explanation, we're like, huh? <laughs> what? It is pretty crazy, but it makes sense with when you get introduced to the rest of the characters. Well, what what makes everything make sense is this is a private expedition mm-hmm. financed by a crazy person. Exactly. There we go. That that explains anything and everything away. A scared old man who basically put his own spin on he made his own inference from what this what this expedition could uh, give him. Yeah, th- this isn't a, a national or international operation. This is a corporate financed expedition. Yes. So it can be done for any reason that that person wants. Yes. So it doesn't have to make sense. But yeah, uh, before we get to the really, really good PowerPoint, we need to have the old man PowerPoint. Uh, oh, <laughs> I forgot about the old man PowerPoint. Yeah, there's an old man PowerPoint. So we, we go to the hangar, and uh, Kyle has a comment here. This is... The makeup that they have on Guy Pierce in this movie is about as disgusting as what they did to Alex Winter in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey when he's playing his older grandmother. It's disgusting. Yeah, it's, it's icky. It, it's icky. I, I think it it looks more effective in some shots than others. Yeah. Um, 
I do kind of like Guy Pierce's performance. Uh, this is actually a, one of those weird nitpicky things that the internet is really, really awful to this movie. Well, it's about. an awful place, Trevor. Yeah, yeah, it really is. It, like I said, it's Morbin time. The yeah. internet loves Morbius. Uh, I, I don't I, ask them why they love Morbius. I doubt you'd find an answer. But, I won't. But, uh, but no, I, I, I have no interest in engaging <laughs> with with that. But. Um, that's why we don't have as big of an audience, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, the old age makeup is a point of contention with a lot of people. A lot of people shit on that. They, they nitpick it away. It's like one of those cinema sins things where people are like, oh, it looks fucking stupid. Why did they do that? Why did they just hire an old man? Why didn't they get Albert Finner <laughs> to, to play Way- like Wayland? Or why didn't they get Lance Henriksen to play Ooh. Wayland um, as he was portrayed in you know the aliens films past and and uh, aliens vs. predator interesting that yeah why wouldn't they yeah because in avp we saw that uh and in alien 3 also uh when when he shows up to try to talk ripley down the the idea of that was that the visage the face of bishop was meant to be a replication of wayland Mm -hmm. um in this case no we're 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 not doing that (laughs) but um, I don't mind it so much, um, especially because I know why it's there, and it, it's one of those things that doesn't translate to the the finished product. It, you have to like actually investigate a little bit to know why, and it's because uh, there was an intention to have young Wayland in more than one scene of the movie. Okay. So to have an actor who could do both actually was was efficient. Like that made sense. Guy Pierce is a good guy to play a rich villain. Oh yeah, and uh, apparently the the King's speech was the performance that got Ridley Scott interested in having him play the character. Apparently, he wanted him to speak a particular English dialect, like a very oh, okay. uh, very high class. Like I think he's it's good at that. The King's English, yeah, and and he's exceedingly good at that. Guy Pierce is a he's a chameleon. He's mm-hmm. he's one of those cool actors that has the leading man look, but he's actually best utilized as a bizarre character actor. Mm-hmm. I mean, that fucking lawless movie that Harrison from uh, Grief Burrito turned me on to. I'd, I'd been meaning to watch it for a long time. He's got, like, shaved fucking eyebrows and greased back hair. He looks like a crazy person, and he's he's really doing something with that performance. Guy Pierce will give you gold. I've been meaning uh, to dust off the Count of Monte Cristo. It's been a long time since I've seen it. Good sword fight. Mm-hmm. Real good sword fight. <laughs> um, Jim Caviezel versus Guy Pierce. Okay. Yeah, that's good. Jesus versus Guy <laughs> um, A very dislikable face with a very likable face. Yeah. yeah. No, that that one was fun. Oh, I like that and one. And Baby Cavill. Baby Cavill's in there. That's right. I yeah. forgot about that. Strapping young lad. Um, But yeah, uh, the reason why we have old man Guy Pierce in this movie is because uh, they're, uh, the dream sequence, when uh, David is peering into his dream to have a conversation with him... Uh, they were going to do like a swerve there where they the movie would abruptly cut to like a uh, a yacht in the middle of the ocean and there'd be like supermodels walking around and young Wayland would be hanging like boozing with them oh, okay. and David would like walk up to him and have a conversation and then and then we'd pull the lens back to reveal oh that's what's going on in Wayland's head while he's in cryosleep. Yeah, we hadn't Tarkened yet. We can't. You'd have to Tarkin Lance Henriksen to looking younger because he looks old as fuck now. He's looked that way for a while. Yeah. So even in 2012, it would have been a little weird. Even though AVP wasn't that long before. Also, it makes sense because Lance Henriksen is not a good looking dude, and Guy Pierce is a very good looking dude. So it makes more sense that 
he would be more vain. Yes. Like he would he would want to be he would want to live forever. That's a really good point. Like I think there's a lot of logic behind that. But also there's supposed to be like a, a TED talk sequence. Like literally a, a TED was. talk with Guy Pierce <laughs> as Wayland like talking to his stockholders and Fucking stuff. Share shareholders or whatever. But anyway, yeah, we get introduced to old man Guy Pierce and uh, he has a message from twenty ninety one, so from two years ago. And uh, he even states he expects to be dead by the time they play this video message. I love that the dog is incorporated into the hol- the hologram I didn't, technology. I didn't catch that. It's adorable because it's like obviously it's some sort of technology that's like capturing the entirety of the three D space that he's yeah. standing in. So it's his office on like Mars or some shit, like literally Mars. <laughs> yeah. And then Quaid runs by. Yeah, I was gonna say I was about to shooting do it. at some security staff. <laughs> look out like you can see out his window and you see this Austrian just like <laughs> <he's getting> sucked <laughs> <out of his laughs> he's banging on the window give these people air <laughs> come on Wayland give these people air it's been a while since I've seen them Cohagen and Wayland yeah those sound like evil corporate names but um but uh, yeah, the because of the way the technology works, his his little dog is just like rolling around on the carpet next to him. Um it's a nice touch. But uh we have a really snippy line here, a very catty line, mm-hmm. where he refers to David as the closest thing to his son yeah. he will ever have. And then we very, <laughs> very, like, very explicitly hard cut to David smiling and Charlie's there and being like, mm, bitch. Yeah. you bitch. <laughs> and then uh, he concludes this presentation by saying, like, the reason we're all here, as far as I'm concerned, is Holloway and Shaw. Mm-hmm. So give them your attention. Yeah. They're, as far as I'm concerned, they're in charge. So uh, yeah. do your do your thing. And then yeah. Logan Marshall Green gives us the best PowerPoint ever put together. Yeah. He basically says that we've gone over every continent in the world, basically, and there's all these these drawings of like uh, some human pointing towards five stars, and there's like no way that it couldn't the the, the timeline and the distance. These were all from different eras for people that never met each other. So it's something that all these different uh, people saw over millions of years, apparently. I don't know. Um, and they're like, and that led us to, we figured out that that's a constellation out here in the middle of fucking nowhere. And out here, there's a sun very similar to ours. And there's, I, maybe there's a planet that's like the same size as ours roughly or something. Or it was just the star they were going off yeah. of. Which is not a great, uh, <laughs> it doesn't seem like a very good comparison. Like, I kind of need that life-supporting planet to convince me to come out here. And, yeah, they're all kind of like, they get this presentation, all the scientists are like, okay. And Rafe is just like, um, so you're saying that something else created life on Earth? Because you would have to refute, you know, Darwinism to basically do that. And it's pretty it's pretty well accepted in the scientific community at this point. And they're just like, uh, yeah, this is what we think. And he's just like, what? Okay. And she's like, well, it's what I choose to believe. That, that was yeah. the line that I... It, it's supposed to make you upset. <laughs> I, I know, but, uh, but I was like, mm. yeah, it's supposed. There's to a reason I haven't watched this with the girlfriend, by the way, <laughs> because she would be yelling at this at the screen right now. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's what I choose to believe. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, following that presentation, uh, we go to Vickers's dwelling on the ship. Yeah. So, do we have? Um, so, is the ship that goes down on the planet? That's the whole Prometheus, yes. right? Okay. Because as I was watching the end of this movie, I'm like, is there, is this like one of the little shuttle ships that they've taken down and there's a bigger ship up there? No. Yeah. No, the whole ship goes down to the surface. Okay. And by the way, um, like, uh, it is actually explained how that works. 
uh, and it happens right here actually. So uh, Vickers has a private like quarters on the ship. Yeah, gorgeous inside this thing. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like the fanciest fucking hotel room you can imagine, complete yeah. with like a self-playing piano yeah. and like a really cool display like it's like the mountains or you can like just have different yeah, yeah you can have whatever background you want again kind of similar to total recall you yeah. can set your windows to show whatever the fuck you want and uh, um, including Stan- robert costanzo working a jackhammer <laughs> if you feel like waking up to that we kind of funny if she's just watching seinfeld in the background on this big screen <laughs> i mean that would be true to life yeah <laughs> just the, the office or seinfeld yeah. or one of those burn, things burn, that people burn, just burn, she just hits pause <laughs> <laughs> That would be an amazing transition. <laughs> them just like in the background, like, did she put mute on it so it's still going on? And they're like, I wonder what's happening in this episode. The, little, the thumbs and the little kicks. <laughs> Swirling can't dance. That's it. <laughs> I mean, it's only 2093. It's not that far out. It's 100 years away. I mean, it was 100 years ago. I mean, we have what a Crosby, Stills, and Nash yeah, reference exactly. in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, man. Uh, it's conceivable. Yeah. You couldn't do that. But. I was in 2012. I'm like, are they talking about Crosby, Stills, and Nash? Because he, he says the name. And I'm Steven like, Stills, I think, is what he says. I'm like, Stills? Who the f- oh, yeah. oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Okay, that, was, that was a while ago, bud. <laughs> yeah, Vickers. We're talking to Vickers in her pod. Yeah, so it is explained that this pod is, is a separate module that it, it, it exists independent of the prometheus mm-hmm. and it has life support that can last probably a couple of years coat like comfortably yeah um so in the event of an emergency which <laughs> spoiler alert we get an emergency it can be detached from the ship proper you know what's interesting about shaw's character i just realized yo as somebody who is i mean i'm not to knock on people who are religious at all but of course not. she's very scientifically inquisitive yeah for somebody who's very who's who's you know has faith it's kind of interesting. So this this scene where she's just like in there poking buttons on this on this on this very expensive looking machine. They're very expensive. Put them back. Um, she's like Shaw. Can you not touch that? It's very expensive. Yeah. Is it heavy? Is it heavy. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, what's this for? It's only made for men. She's like, okay, we need to get our relationship down here. Like, yeah. Boundaries. 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 As yeah. somebody who's been spending time with a three year old lately, boundaries. boundaries. Very important. Um, in relationships and whatnot. But um. Yeah, what Kyle's referencing here is, I think she calls it like a polling or a polling med pod. Yeah. And it's this like, it looks like a, a cryopod. Basically, there's only 12 in existence, and it's like a wonder device that can fix you. It's science magic. Yeah, yeah. it's science magic. And Vickers is like, maybe don't touch that. <laughs> don't touch it! <laughs> By the way, Vickers is wound super fucking tight. Very tight. Whoo! <laughs> like, uh, hair tied back, uh, just like compressed like wayland suit which seems to be the corporate uniform i guess these days i hate the way she orders her drink she's like i'll take a vodka up yeah up like no that's what mark martinis are up but okay well see if you know in a different movie you'd have the kyle in the room who could comment on that and be like i don't think i don't but think that means what you think it's it not means. so much, it's not so much the up, but it's the um it's ba- it means neat it means with nothing in it. Okay, uh, but you would just say straight vodka up. straight. Yeah. yeah, but also it's just like the 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 pause bothers me. Vodka one. Dude, two, David's three. pretty fucking fast. Uh, he could have been done by the time you finished that sentence. <laughs> it's literally, you pour two ounces of vodka into a glass. Yeah, um, but yeah, she orders some booze and she offers. But um, the main thing that this conversation exists for is to kind of like lay the groundwork for the reveal later that Wayland is on the ship spoiler alert um, he is not dead he is in cryosleep on board the Prometheus 
and Vickers tells uh, Holloway and Shaw, like, hey, that was a really fancy presentation you did. That's great. Do what you do. If we do actually find these things, don't touch it. You are not allowed to engage in any capacity She's because like, this is a corporate venture. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I don't believe in any of this shit, and I'm in charge, so. If you find something, don't touch it. Yeah, that's also the other thing that's hinted at here is that she is not at all invested in the not proceeding. She bit. she doesn't want to be here. She's just doing it because she has to, basically. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, so now we uh, we find our planet. We find a, a planet outside the sun, I guess. So we must have been targeting a specific planet because that's the. First oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, we're going in, and uh, we are just kind of like flying around this uh, this planet for a little bit, and then one of my favorite lines. Look, God doesn't build in straight lines. There's just like a, it looks like a runway, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So they're, they're going to go in there and uh, they're like, they land or whatever. And he's just like, all right, so we've only got a few hours of daylight left. And Charlie's like, no, 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 no. I have to go out there. It, it's Christmas. I have to open my present. Uh, douche bag. Douche. <laughs> <laughs> also, he calls David boy. So yeah, I was like, this is, Charlie's a little snarky towards David. Very, um, very. I, I don't understand. I'm like, I don't understand why people are so bitchy towards uh, the androids. <laughs> I, I get why Ripley is. Like, she has a reason to be. Uh, yeah, she has very specific yeah. trauma. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I mean, David's very helpful, and I think he could probably crush your trachea pretty quickly, so I would, you know, be nice to him. I think real Fassbender could fuck him up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. it's like, I've seen Fassbender do some Assassin's Creed shit. I've seen Fassbender throw down with Gina Carano. I think he could take him. Uh, He's got that reach. He's wiry. Yeah. I don't understand why this kind of this bothered me. Um, but Shaw is like just like notices one guy's got a flamethrower. She's yes. like, What's that? And he's like, Oh, it's a flamethrower, you know, in case anything happens. She's like, Well, this is a scientific expedition, so don't take that. And he's like, Okay. And that is his attitude. He's like, Okay. okay. <laughs> it's like, okay, lady. He's like, Yeah. I would take some kind of something. You don't. You have no idea what's you out there. You have no idea. No idea. And that's actually a curious element of the, the Alien franchise as a whole. Is they they never really talk about like how new or novel the idea of alien life is. Yeah. And it's very intentional, but I don't I don't quite know what it means because like I watched Alien for the first time with the girlfriend like a few weeks ago. And she pointed out, like, oh, so, like, aliens are old hat. Like, we've we've seen shit from different planets before because everybody's reactions in that movie are fairly, like, stable. Like, nobody's like, oh, my fucking God! <laughs> well, I think alien life form, like, I, I think it's micro. I don't think it's, like, I don't think it's, like, creatures. Potentially, but it, it is never explained. And even by the time we get to aliens... They casually throw around the word xenomorph, mm. and the phrase bug hunt can be interpreted many ways, mm. but it's never explicitly stated what exactly that means, because that, that, to me, could also translate to just, like, fucking around in the woods for two weeks and not finding anything. I think in that universe, alien means something that we haven't discovered, like, some something elemental that we haven't discovered, yeah. um, and I don't think it necessarily means something... Is it fauna? Like something, like some kind of uh, walking creature. Yeah. Although I do remember the the woman in the the Wayland Yutani meeting in the beginning of Aliens. I do remember her the smoking you, meeting. Yeah, the smoking <laughs> meeting. <Wow. laughs> yeah. uh, I do remember her saying something along the lines of, 
like you mean you discovered something that in over like 15 recorded worlds has never been found before which kind of implies this is new yeah but the character's reaction to it is so blasé yeah it's it's fascinating it, it we don't have any answers for yeah. you but it is i think an interesting element of the series uh, uh, because in this movie from a practical standpoint from a storytelling standpoint they need to move forward mm-hmm. like like the story has to go so we can't linger on all the bullshit like minor discoveries along the way because we need to get to the real meat of the deal but yeah um, but yeah no weapons shaw's not comfortable with it uh, we got the we got the pups. We've got so it's the, the air's toxic outside. Which even if it wasn't, I would be wearing. You have no idea what pathogen. Is that the most Scottish woman that has ever been committed to film? Yeah. So she is. Um, I do believe this actress is uh, from Game of Thrones, and I believe she is from The Witch as well. Aggressive haircut, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> it Aggressive bowl cut. It is a haircut. <laughs> but yeah, as soon as she opened her mouth, I was like, "Whoa!" The, I mean, this is a franchise that has put the worst hairdos on its female characters throughout the series. I mean, we're talking Nancy Allen and RoboCop bad. Like, like th- that that was very specific, by the way. Paul Verhoeven went on record saying, like, we fucked up that woman's hair because we didn't want y'all thinking she was going to bed the robot. Like, it's... They are not doing that. We're not here for that. <laughs> yes, this is a, yeah, Kate Dickey. Uh, she is very much a Scottish actress. You think? <laughs> Jesus. Um... But yeah, so she's like, yeah, it's toxic, can't uh, can't breathe it, and then they're like, well, we gotta, um, let's see here, we got looking around with the pups, so this, um, the asshole. Fifield. Yeah. Or Sean Harris would. Tattoo faces. Tattoo face. Tattoo face. Yeah, right. Sure. <laughs> I got my pups, my pups there. I got, I got my pups. Yeah. I didn't build my pups. I'm a geologist. I like rocks. I like rocks, but I also got this super technology. Sim- simple technology. It's like crazy advanced. Hey, uh, Rafe Spore, you wanna you wanna smoke one? You wanna you wanna hit one up? You wanna toke something? Yeah, that's yeah, that's kind of crazy. <laughs> hey, Tom Cruise, stop punching me in the face. Also, <laughs> the timing at which he smokes marijuana does not make any sense. I don't know how in those circumstances marijuana. You have to be very selective with the breed. Yeah, like <laughs> your strain. Yeah, you need to be highly that, coordinated. That is that. an indica situation. <laughs> that is not a sativa time. This is not sativa time. Uh, yeah, we got looking around with the pups. Outside is toxic. I wouldn't take off my fucking helmet. Um, and then chart as they're like going through here, they're like, well, actually, the oxygen readings are like really high here. Like we're going through what they haven't figured out is a ship yet. Yeah, but. No, the oxygen rings are really high. It's like it's cleaner than Earth, actually. And Charlie's like, you know what, babe? I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna take off my helmet. And I wrote down, I'm so glad that he gets it in this movie because he, you want to punch him. You do. Yeah. You do. Um, totally. I this this was one of those moments where I said like, character motivations and decision making in this movie are oddly dumb at mm-hmm. times. It feels not jarring, but just like, really, that's how we're going. We're our, our team of scientists is going to handle this situation. I mean, for him, it makes perfect sense. Yes. Archaeologists. Archaeologists. Different kind of scientists. Well, he, he wears a shemag or whatever. Yeah, like, he's he's got sandals on a fucking spaceship. He wears, a, he wears sandals in a shemag, and he's... He, this guy does cliff diving and shit. Like, he has a squirrel suit somewhere. This is the equivalent of a guy walking around an aircraft carrier with sandals on. Like, yeah, you I don't mean, do that. I mean, really, Scott did say that the character is meant to be, like, an extreme sports archaeologist... Where he's supposed to be like a thrill-seeking guy. Oh, like fucking, uh, 
what's his face Franco who's burned alive in a Covenant <laughs> <laughs> you get that video of him like rock climbing exactly yeah. yeah very much yeah James Franco is in Alien Covenant by the way so we have Pat, we have an unexpected Patrick Wilson in this one and yeah. an unexpected James Franco in that one who's gonna be the next unexpected actor in the third one Jonah Hill <laughs> Seth Rogen <laughs> So that's all going to be a funny one to throw in there. Jason Momoa. Ah, uh, that fits. I mean, Game of Thrones alum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I could see that. Or Thor Bjornsson could play an alien or some shit. A beefy alien. Or he's the guy that gets into a fight with an engineer. Like they oh, find another engineer and he has to fist fight him. I mean, he's big enough. I mean, there, there is that, that uh, idea that I'd, it's never been confirmed, but there's always that idea that like the alien takes characteristics from what it comes from. So, like, what if, like, a, a giant roided-up Icelandic dude gives birth to an alien? Does that, like, make a steroid alien? It would not it <laughs> Whatever it is. That'd be fucking tight. <laughs> uh, I mean, we have steroid cows. May as well have a steroid alien. Um, but David is already kind of suspect here. This is where we start to, pe- like, start to piece together that David might be up to something because he finds, like, a, a sticky goo on the side, and he's just, like, he keeps it to himself. He doesn't he doesn't point it out to the other members of the expedition. I mean, very similar to, to, to Shah. You, you got to touch it. You just, you just got to touch it. You can't not touch. Yeah. You can't not touch. And, we, yeah, David is just futzing. He's futzing with control panels. Like, he's deciphering, like, how to operate the, the innards of the machine but he's not telling anybody. He's just doing shit. He's just touching stuff because he's intensely curious, and that's like one of David's core characteristics. Yeah, he's very inquisitive. Well, um, and damn the consequences as well. Yes. Well, the consequences don't apply to him. Because, exactly. Yeah, he, yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, so how do you feel? So I have we found them. Repeat, we found them. <laughs> um, uh, so they find something. So this is where we get this weird ship hologram that they have. Not the one in the um, in the the holodeck uh the uh the uh we have the running we have the things running which honestly if you just landed on this planet and you see humanoids giant humanoids running down the hall it's like what the fuck is happening now yeah uh so the panel that a fastbender that david operates like unbeknownst to the other people yeah it involves like some minority report shit on some etchings in the wall um and it plays what appears to be like a i don't know like a video journal or a flight recorder of some sort but it's, it's a rec- blog it's a yeah, vlog it, it's a vlog <laughs> what's up youtube yeah. <laughs> what up youtube smash that like button yeah um and it causes this this video to play out it's like i love the way it looks mm. it looks it has staticky a, it looks like yeah yeah that's that's like a hallmark of the alien series is that everything looks slightly antiquated but also futuristic at the same time like the earlier alien films definitely had that like heavy kind of semi-industrial quality to it mm-hmm. um prometheus looks a little glossier but again this is like a, a wayland sponsored corporate thing it's like spared no expense money brah yeah, yeah of course we're gonna have shiny new toys and stuff um, it's not going to have the wear and tear of, say, like the colonial marines who have probably been out on missions for X number of decades or well, some shit. A set that was built in the 70s, you know. Yeah, you know, technology's a hell of a thing. Um, but I, I love the look of this because it has that static, almost like VHS kind of vibe to it. Mm-hmm. But it's just this video that plays out of uh, what appears to be, I mean, it's engineers, but they're wearing their helmets still because, remember, if you've never seen the movie before, um, these engineer characters... Um, were initially represented in the Alien franchise as having like almost an elephantine skull structure because at the time that was supposed to be its head. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a helmet, but then 
somewhere along the line, Ridley Scott and one of the writers decided, wouldn't it be cool if they just looked like people? Yeah. Like idealized versions of people, like the Statue of David or something? Yeah. Um, so that's a reveal for later on. But um, yeah, they're running around with their, hel- their elephant helmets and stuff, and they look to be running away from something. Um, Ridley Scott doesn't have a straight answer, and neither does Damon Lindelof, but like the I, the concept here was that there was either like, it was like a revolt, or like, it was either an accident. I think it, it, it makes more sense as an accident. It was either an accident, or there was some sort of infighting amongst the engineers. That's possible. But there is no answer. Like, you can theorize as much as you want, no one who made the movie knows. I mean, you could turn it, it could be an accident, or the one that's actually, spoiler alert, there's an engineer still alive. That could be the one that like messed everything up on purpose that was supposed to be one of the ideas is that he's the survivor he he revolted in some fashion and maybe there was debate as to whether earth should be left alone or we gotta nuke that shit and he seems to want to nuke that shit yeah he wants to nuke it um anyway the video ends with by the way everybody's freaking the fuck out watching this video because it it, it's occupying space with them and playing out in real time so it's like is that a ghost (laughs) they've been asleep for i'd say two years maybe i don't know how long this expedition took two years years. so they just woke up like 12 hours ago and they find (laughs) this planet and now there's human things running around like it would be a lot to take yeah and because of logan fucking marshall green we didn't even get to like take a shit before we got in our space suits no dude yeah that's <laughs> probably a disgusting <laughs> disgusting ordeal i don't want to know what a two-year shit is <laughs> but yeah so this thing this uh this little sequence ends with one of the engineers like they're they're going behind this wall and one falls and the door closes and then they realize oh shit the body's right there yeah, yeah, I do like this. Uh, Charlie like, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. It's fucking dead. And he's like, I'm gonna go check it out. Like that was gonna protect her. I'm like, I don't. Yeah. Anyway, he's a, he's a dude. Yeah. Like it's a, it's it's a dude thing. It's it's not a, a good dude thing, but it happens sometimes. Yeah. But um, yeah. So this is where Tattoo Face is just fucking losing. Oh it. yeah, he loses his shit. He wants out. I mean, he is up in Shaw's face. Like you know what? And I think that. I like looking back like when I first watched him like man Charlie's just really letting this happen but I think Charlie's a little like, a little bit more understanding he's letting him this is very like I said they've been asleep for two years this guy's already an asshole this is a lot to take in and he is just he didn't know this is why he was being brought out here was because of this yeah that's what's interesting is that the expedition was two years um, a lot of these scientists are specialists in areas that aren't particularly relevant to what they're doing right now. Yeah. Um, so seemingly they're just there for show or something. Mm-hmm. But my God, imagine the paycheck that you'd you'd have to put in front of somebody to ask them. No to, questions. Yeah. Like no questions. You're going to the far end of the galaxy. You're going to sleep for two years, which means it'll take you two years minimum to get back. Yeah. I don't know what that check would be. But uh, substantial. But yeah, this guy is a geologist, yeah. and Rafe Spall is never. It's never explicitly stated on screen, but apparently he's supposed to be an entomologist, which is supposed to hand wave away his curiosity later on. I don't buy it. But yeah. <laughs> well, like, he's having a bit of an existential crisis here, which is kind of brushed over. But he's like, just yeah. he's, and he says, "Congratulations, omitting your maker." Yeah. And, and she says, thank you. Thank you. And then uh, Charles just like, you need to get a grip, dude. Like, <laughs> That's my girlfriend. Yeah. He's like, it, he, he does a good job of just like, just let him, just let him get it out. But if, if it did get physical, I think that... Yeah, always like, don't make me capoeira your ass. I, I know that shit. I can do it in a spacesuit. I'm limber. Uh, <laughs> and then somebody says they're remarkably human. 
Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so they do some, like, I don't know if you'd call this carbon dating or something, but they have a magic science doohickey that yeah. they stab into things periodically. It's a tricorder from Star Trek. Yeah. It, it does what it needs to do. Um, and they discover that the engineer, the one that was depacketated, uh, has been dead for minimum 2,000 years. Uh, and David does what David does, and he opens the blast door without asking. Thanks, David. Um, and uh, there's a recurring thing um, in like the, the drama that unfolds. I really love how this works. It, um, it makes a lot of sense, actually. So the, the pups are these uh, spheres, that, the floating spheres that have these, they cast this uh, swirling red light. They look like thermal detonators. They do, actually. Uh, <laughs> because he's holding a thermal detonator. <laughs> but yeah, they're supposed to map the the interior of the structure, which, by the way, is like it looks like a pyramid with a a, a donut with a bite taken out of it. Yeah. <laughs> also, a fun fun trivia factoid: um, the pyramid structure has a, it's like a bulbous thing that has like a, a human humanoid face atop it. Yeah. Kind of like a sphinx or something. Yeah. Um, the general silhouette the general concept of that design in this movie was taken from hr giger um so he he was asked to like contribute to this film he didn't actually like draft anything new for this as far as i understand but he was invited to be part of the project but he they apparently had enough good shit by the time he got involved that he was like you you guys got this um but that concept art that they used to to create that the pyramid uh was an unused drawing from his uh, Al- uh, Alejandro Hodorowsky's Dune. Oh. It was supposed to be Harkonnen's dwelling. Okay. Like his fortress. That makes sense. So they took the Harkonnen fortress and they put it in this movie. That's cool. It's, it is totally that. You can look up the concept art for it. But um, anyway, the pups. Uh, a thing routinely happens in the movie where uh, a door will prevent the pups from mapping more of the environment. Mm-hmm. And it's not until a human being opens the door that they can continue moving through. And so, like, routinely the characters will come across a new door and you'll just see the, the pup just, like, just sitting there it's waiting. just floating and then it just goes on ahead before them. It's really neat. Yeah. Like, I love the attention to detail and having that. But We get our mural scene as we get inside. Yes. And I, I did notice the score here. I usually don't pick up on the score, but I did notice the score here during the mural scene. Very strong score, by the way. Um, this was done by what's his face, um, Mark Streitenfeld, uh, who is by no means a household name, but in just like glancing at his filmography, uh, he's got some he's got some bangers. Like uh, he did American Gangster, one of Kyle's favorites, nice. um, and of course Prometheus. Um, he's worked with Ridley Scott a few times, also on Robin Hood, which I'm not actually a big fan of that score, but um, this score in particular is very beautiful. It has some really really cool ideas at work um i love the instrumentation whenever the engineers are on the screen mm-hmm. there's like almost like some industrial sounds that it's really cool stuff mm-hmm. kind of similar to like elliot goldenthal's uh, alien 3 score but um this room is the headroom yes uh, which is one of the more famous environs uh, in this movie uh, in that it has a giant head sculpture in the center of it and also these they look uh, idris elba refers to them as vases or vases yes. Um, containing the black goo. The black goo. Um, and yes, there's a mural on the ceiling, which is almost like, I don't know, evocative of like a Sistine Chapel or something. Yeah. In fact, there's like some figures like reaching for each other that has that kind of vibe to it. Um, and also we see that there are worms in the dirt in this room. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a whole shot dedicated to showing that there are what appear to be basic earthworms. Which makes sense, 
as to what uh, what comes up. Yeah, uh, it's it's really interesting that they you know they they seed that. It's like oh, just like if you if you're Pay paying attention, attention, Pay like, attention, there's a reason for that. <laughs> um, um, but there's also uh, a big mural at the far end of the room that uh, it I think it's supposed to be telegraphing um, what happens. See, this is where the black goo gets very frustrating for me, because the the figure on this big mural in the back of the room is Deacon-esque, in mm-hmm. that it looks like the creature at the finale of the movie. But when you think about how we got the creature at the end of the movie, like the yeah, it doesn't make the sense. hoops that we had to jump through to get that. It, it if we have a mural of it, it's probably been seen before. Like it's probably occurred in you know the history of the these yeah. engineer things but how <laughs> i don't know how uh, so she gives birth to it so we could kind of so to to plot it out dude gets goo dude goos in his girlfriend mm-hmm. girlfriend gives birth to tentacle beast mm-hmm. tentacle beast violates an engineer engineer gives birth to deacon well it does make sense like the um like <laughs> the caution that they take with this goo i think they i think they've studied it and know what it does they, they've gone through this process and understand what it does because at the end when he comes across the squid he's like oh fuck like yeah he's, see, he's not happy yeah he's like, <laughs> oh god damn it like, not again subtitles man they yeah. would they would have made it so much more entertaining yeah. son of a bitch yeah, son of a, it's a real <laughs> you one ugly motherfucker he's, he's very upset when he realizes what they've done um yeah so it it does really taking in the movie and like going back through it a couple times it does it could make sense that they would have known well if you if you hand wave away the the logistics of getting to a deacon i do like the idea of an aberration like this or something having precedent where it's like mistakes have happened with the goo yeah and occasionally it results in cone cone cone-headed black black black-skinned monsters yeah um but yeah, we're introduced to the black goo. We get to see David observing it. Apparently, this effect was largely practical with the, the swirling black goo mm-hmm. on the surface. Uh, they put a speaker underneath uh, some sort of corn-based fluid, and the vibrations of oh, the speaker cool. cause it to swirl and bubble Creative. like that. I was like, that's really cool. Um, but we do have a big storm coming. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Also, uh, the the uh, the jars of goo start perspiring mm-hmm. um in fact i i have a I have a question mark on my notes here because david uses the word sweating mm-hmm. it's like you have a pretty big vocabulary buddy Perspiring, <laughs> like sweating because <laughs> yeah. well the jars are sweating the jars are sweating sweating Perspiring. yeah maybe it was just like this could be for america perspiration it's gonna be for American condensation. Like, condensation. There we go. Condensation. Condensation. Uh, <laughs> Whatever the fuck they say in the Last Crusade. Uh, but yeah, Ben is my children of sword. <laughs> Henry. Uh, but yeah, we got to get back to the ship, and we're like, all right, guys, like we we got to get back. It's coming. It's coming right for us. I've already watched it, but I'll watch it again. <laughs> Twister, folks. Yeah. Look it up. Um, but yeah, we got to get back to the ship. And I do like uh, 
Char- I like Charlie's thing. He's like, David, we are leaving. Yes. I wrote, it's <laughs> in the note. David, we are leaving. Drake, we are leaving. Uh, but Shaw, Shaw's like, we got to take this head back to the ship. And we don't, uh, the rest of the crew don't see that David takes one, he takes one of these uh, vases back. He uh, packs one of them in. Yes, he does. Um, this sequence was kind of fun. I like a good, like, we got we to gotta get back to the ship. I really like that Ridley Scott was on the commentary very upfront about the fact this storm exists to wake you the fuck up. Mm-hmm. Just in case anybody out there is bored, here's some action. Here's here's some noise, here's some movement. And credit to him as a filmmaker. It's like, yes, from a pacing standpoint and all-important engagement standpoint, that is key to, I, I think, most people's enjoyment of films, but something that Kyle's been kind of like, I don't know, opening my eyes about that, like your audience's ability to engage with the drama is is really the balancing act of of making a successful film, and keeping that engagement level consistent is the mark of a skillfully crafted film. It's and, a movie. You gotta you gotta be a movie. Well, yeah, and so I feel like eighty five, ninety percent of movies that exist, uh, if you look at them from a critical standpoint, most conversations end up veering into like, well, it kind of dips in the middle. But otherwise, it's good. Yeah. Or, or it has shit finale. But otherwise, it's good. And if you don't have any of those comments about a movie, that means it's really fucking good because that's really rare <laughs> that you can be involved in the thing from start to finish. But yeah, we get a storm here. And uh, Shaw uh, is very adamant about keeping the head such that she jumps off of their like ATV thing yeah. uh, to go for it as the storm clouds are like racing towards the, the back of the Prometheus. And uh, she gets... She should... I have Jesus. She got rocked. I mean, these spacesuits are not like hard spacesuits. Like these aren't spacesuits. These are like wetsuits with with bubble heads. Yeah. Um. She, her rib cage is just shattered. Oh yeah. No. She, <laughs> she's paralyzed. Yeah. It's, I know she's like she's a fit gal. She's a dancer. But no. That that is that is your rib cage slamming against steel or yeah. titanium or some shit. Yeah. You you are broken. Yeah. <laughs> um. But there's a fun little moment where uh, Holloway, uh, her dude. Uh, runs out to get her and he can't save her so now they're both stranded out there in the storm and then david comes out there to save both of them yeah after all the nasty things that charlie had been saying to him and i I love the casual manner in which he does it he just kind of like saunters up and he has this this like a line like a a steel cable that he he has like on an actuator and he's just like Okay, we're going. <laughs> well, no, there's I think there's a reason why David saves him because he's like I am totally comfortable because that's what his plan. He needs those two. Yeah, uh, it's it's not explicitly made clear what the intention here is, but you know if we're going by like Asimov's like laws of robotics or something, it's like he's not going to willfully do harm to anyone, and you know if he's ordered to help somebody, he will. Uh, so he saves them, and also I like that the uh, the flamethrower is reinforced. It's it's like a couple of frames, but we just see them like cleaning up the deck mm-hmm. or like decontaminating or something, and somebody just like shoots a burst of flame. And that that shot exists just to plant the seed in your head that they do have flamethrowers on board in yeah. case you forgot. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Rafe and Tattoo Face, they're still on the engineer ship, and. <laughs> Uh, basically, uh, Idris Elba is just like, you guys are going to have to get comfortable because we can't come out there. So you guys are going to be spending the night there. Um, but then we get the uh, the head scene. Probably the dumbest scene in the movie. In, it's... in terms of like scientific malpractice. <laughs> it is one of the dumbest things that you can do as far as... The, 
the logic behind what they're trying to do. This was maddening. <laughs> wild Wild West makes more sense. <laughs> that is a man's head. And yeah. yes, it does make more sense than what these fucking stooges do to this poor alien head. Yeah. So uh, the Scottish lady and Shaw have this head. And I think Vickers comes down and be like, holy shit. Like, that's a fucking head. That's a head. <laughs> they, they get this helmet off and we get the, the engineer head. And she's just like... They take a DNA sample, obviously. Yes. Um, and then she just immediately is like, we've had this thing for five seconds. Let's reanimate it. I'm like, I don't know what she was going to, I don't know what she was going to get from this. Like, what was the point of this? Well, and not only that, it's like, I know you decontaminated it. You have all the sensors in the world, but it's like, dude, I wear a mask in daily life. Yeah. Not one person in this room has even a fucking surgical mask. No. No, at least, yeah, that's something that you should... A have. bandana? Like, I'm looking at you, Charlie. You got that fucking shemag. You better put it over your fucking mouth. Yeah, Bishop and, uh... What's this? Not Bishop. Um, what was Ian Holm? Uh, Kane. No, no, Kane was John Hurt. Uh, I forget. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, his android and uh, Tom Skerritt, they have, you know, face masks on when they're, like, trying to get that thing off of John Hurt's face. And, yeah, this thing, they're just like, well, let's reanimate it. They stick it in there and they jolt it. And it's just like, its eyes are... Blinking, mouth <laughs> open, and they're like, "Oh my god, the smell!" Like, what the fuck did you think was it was gonna, it's gonna smell like? Um, uh, yeah. So, by the way, Charlie is in the background of the scene. He's drinking. Yeah, he's not in a good mood. No, he's deeply upset by what they discovered. Um, and also, they point out that there's new cellular growth on the head. Uh, it's these like black bumps on its scalp. Um, but yeah, they stick their electronic doohickey in in its behind its ear and they start electrifying it yeah and they start cranking the voltage <laughs> I, was it just to destroy it because what ends up happening is they they juice it and then it explodes they manage to get it back behind the containment thing and it just explodes and like it smells awful and shaw just like throws it out there it's like hey how about we do some science shit to like trick it into thinking it's still alive that wouldn't work with a human <laughs> lady it's been dead for two thousand years <laughs> i like you'd think that they would like picture it like take photographs of it dissect it maybe see if it has a brain similar to ours no fucking shit yeah it's, yeah but she's also again an archaeologist lady yeah. sometimes dead is better. better. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, this is madness. Yeah. And then, yeah, the Scottish lady says, oh, God, the smell. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's not a good thing to hear Ugh. when you're dealing with alien life forms with cancerous growths on their head. It's pretty disgusting. And, yeah, they, they push it back on this conveyor in, into this little box, and they try to, <laughs> they try to like, freeze it or some shit, and then we get a fucking exploding head. It's pretty gross. It turns into green goo. Yeah. Rid Ridley Scott, you're, maybe, maybe this was just for him, like, to make him laugh or something. Did I, don't, they, I don't know what the fuck this is. Did they say is. anything on the commentary? He thought it was a, I forget his words exactly, it was some form of British slang, but he was very proud of the head. Okay. He's uh, like, it's a ripping good head or some shit. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what, what the end game was with this. Um, Apparently, it, like, the original script, so before Lindelof, uh, this scene did exist. I, I was okay. shocked to hear that, that that wasn't, like, a last-minute thing that they threw in there. But um, apparently it was supposed to, like, I don't know, collapse on itself and just rot after they took the, the helmet off. Oh, that would make more sense. Um, but they decided to do this shit and have it explode. So it's like, congratulations, Shaw. You took the first recorded alien head in history, potentially the thing that gave birth to us as a species, and you blew it up. 
Maybe she was trying to talk to it. Maybe they're like, maybe we can reunite and talk to it, but that doesn't make any sense. What does the uncle say to, to fucking Macaulay Culkin in the beginning of Home Alone? <laughs> like, you fucked it up, you little jerk. Oh, yeah, look what you did, you little jerk. Exactly. Yeah. Someone yeah. needs to take Shaw by the collar and yell that at him. No, I think the line was, you fucked it up, you little jerk. Yeah. That should have been the in line. Chris Columbus film. <laughs> Congratulations, uh, Sean. You fucked it up, you little shit. <laughs> uh, but yeah, then we get David has this little chat with a helmet. Uh, he's like just standing in his own little side room. And... This was where the yacht scene was supposed to be okay. in the movie. So instead of just having him talking to someone... He was um, supposed to go talk to somebody on a yacht. It was supposed to be a swerve where we abruptly cut to this like beautiful scenic yacht. Okay. And then, the, then he takes the helmet off and like... We discover, oh, we were on the Prometheus the whole time. Okay. Um, uh, but yeah, he's saying, like, no, sir, I will take care of it. And then he gets a confrontation with Vickers, and she's like, what did he say? And he's like, I can't tell you. And she slams him against the wall. Like, what did he say? Yeah. And try harder. Yes. Try harder. And uh, good God, she hates David. Oh, she fucking hates him. She hates David. And then we get Shaw and the Scottish lady, and we figure out that these creatures are a 100% DNA match. Yes. Which is like, well, that's pretty fucking crazy. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. We need a Spaceballs moment. Did you get that? Did you get that? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, now, I mean, like, just thinking back to watching it for the first time, so it's like, okay, so we found these aliens are 100% matched. Like, you have even more questions now. Like, what, 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 what? What, what does this mean? Well, it's a Lindelof script. We're not going to get into that. <laughs> uh, David's going through his vials of black goo. I love the uh, I love the containment that they're in. I don't know why. It's like it's like glass containers uh, with the black goo. It's, it's, just, it's, it's neat. It's the VX gas from The Rock. You got viscous mucus. Like, like yeah, it, it's the VX gas from The Rock. That's what I was Where, thinking. Even too. the way he pulls it up, like using all fingers and slow. Yeah. So he gets himself a little dip of this black stuff. Did you catch his fingerprint? I did. The little Wayland logo on he's, the tip of it. I mean, he's product. Yeah. yeah. I just thought it was kind of a new... Yeah, that, that was nice a, little... I mean, if you're going to have a macro shot of his fingertip, it, it it's a nice little attention to detail that I really appreciate. He's not unique. No. There are other Davids. There are Walters out there. <laughs> Which is kind of a cognitive dissonance for him. Is well... That he's... Yeah, go ahead. I think he is. He's unique. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. His... his, his look like his architecture is is common but i think him as we learned in alien covenant not yet in this movie but he was raised basically by like personally by wayland like he was his personal servant or steward i love this this next scene that we have with him and charlie um it's probably one of my favorite just like it's a really good scene um, something that I never noticed when watching it the first time, uh, I paid attention because I know what happens. I'm paying a, a lot more attention. I'm forced to pay more attention to David yeah. and how his character plays throughout the film. And you can see a lot more of his e- like his like his evil side. Like he's not a good he's not a good person. Um, but he's uh, sitting there having a talk with uh, Charlie, and he's like, "Oh, you're, would you like another drink?" I noticed that when he's got the cup, he's got his index finger extended the entire time. And I'm like, oh, that's a nice little detail. Like, he's just in there talking. I never picked up on it before. This is a, a really good actor's scene. Like, I'm sure the actors had a lot of fun doing this because it's all based around subtlety mm-hmm. and how you can spin what things are being said to have different meanings. It's it's really neat because Charlie is drunk off his ass here. Oh, he's just slammed a whole bottle of champagne. Yeah. He's oh, yeah. Done. And yeah. he's just, like, rolling billiard balls across the table. And uh, they're, they have this conversation about, like creation and mm-hmm. meeting your maker and things like that and it's very 
apt considering David has had that privilege. Like he has actually met his maker, whereas Charlie is his life goal is to accomplish that. And now he feels he's been denied that, um, which is why he's drunk and depressed because the only he still has the question. Yeah, he his goal was to meet the engineer, not to find the engineer. Yeah, um, but a depacketed god is not a not an especially you know great god. <laughs> I love the uh, he's just like well he's like well why did you guys just why did you um, why did humans in, invent uh, androids? And he's like we invented you because we could. And he's like wouldn't it be disappointing if you were told the exact same thing? Yeah, I, I wrote that whole line down because I thought I thought it was really powerful. It's like, could you imagine how disappointing it would be to hear the same thing from your creator? Yeah, it's like, ooh. yeah, it's really good. Well, be, yeah, it, it's really good character work. Um, but I, I just need to pause for one second to just like toss this out there because I think it's important. Is a Ridley Scott has a lot of recurring themes in his filmography, and this seems to be one of them is uh, he's done a lot of like i don't know stuff surrounding christianity and whatnot like i mean he fucking did exodus yeah um and a lot of his stories have this theme of like meeting your maker um it's 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 largely thematic it's it's not always literal but like just to like rattle off a few instances blade runner mm-hmm. has tyrell meeting or yeah yeah and then gladiator you could argue that commodus kind of like created a new beginning or a splintered off life for Maximus. Yeah, yeah, and and even Hannibal to some extent. Verger had oh, a, had a yes, rebirth yes. via Hannibal Lecter, and the whole movie is surrounding the two of them reuniting. Yeah, and having a confrontation of sorts. And this movie most certainly is entirely based around that. It's like literally trying to make like meet the person who created humanity. Yeah. Um, it's it's just something I noticed when I was thinking about the movie that I think it's really important to toss out there. Yeah, good observation, yeah. Yeah. I do um, like how he has to get permission. Like, so I do like that you can you notice that David is, he has an agenda here. And he's, it's really obvious to like us on the second watch, like he's really trying to get this going Yeah, with uh, Charlie. Yeah, and I think what Kyle's probing towards is the idea of consent. Mm-hmm. Where if you take language and you spin it a certain way, you can interpret it. Like if you approach things with a you know a cyborg brain or an android brain it's like how far would you go yeah. to to accomplish your goals well, we should drink to that and he just yeah. dips the little black yeah. the, the way charlie responds to that question it's a vague ass question is anything and everything he's like well in my android brain i can i can interpret that as being like i'm, I'm gonna do an experiment that could potentially you know do that for you gotcha dude it's probably not gonna really feel good but but here we go i'm gonna put some black goo in your drink and you're gonna drink it straight up because you you want it um but yeah that was that was a really really cool scene i really love that um but uh we cut back to the tunnels uh of of the ship um and we're with rafe spall and uh sean harris here um, and they come across a pile of dead engineers, mm-hmm. so more evidence that something went really bad. And we uh, have a key phrase here. Um, it looks like he exploded from the inside, mm-hmm. which doesn't really play into this narrative very much, but it's there to remind you that we I, promise there will be some alien shit eventually. <laughs> so this does make more sense. This does go more with the thread. Not, not, this makes more sense that it was an accident and not necessarily um, some kind of internal issue. Yeah. Uh, so we begin cross-cutting back and forth between uh, Idris Elba observing the, the map as it's being crafted by the pups and uh, our fellows who are trapped in the ruins. 
Um, by the way, I really love the representation of the 3D map. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's there's a lot of technology in this movie that's it's rendered in CGI and whatnot, but it feels so tangible and believable and this is like chief among them like it's done really well well it's supposed to look virtual like that yeah. yeah so it works for stuff like that yeah and it it looks very convincing i liked it quite a bit but um idris elba is observing the map and he notices hey there's a life form in there with y'all mm-hmm. his words not mine <laughs> um and uh of course our dudes start getting a little bit freaked out yeah <laughs> um but then the life form disappears which also results in them freaking out. And uh, we get some really fun lines from Rafe's ball here, where he's like, what do you mean a glitch? <laughs> like, Bing's glitch? And he even throws a, what the fuck? Out there. And I think this is where Tattoo Face says, uh, yeah, can, are they around? Or uh, are the two the two archaeologists around? They go, go tell them to fuck themselves. Yeah, it, it the audio comes through garbled, but yeah. it's, a, it's a fun little moment. Uh, yeah. Uh, do we want to talk about the Charlie and Shaw scene? Yeah, uh, it uh, it progresses kind of weird. Apparently, this scene went through a lot of rewrites. It's um, not a good scene. It I don't think it, I don't think it ended up playing that well at all. But apparently, this was a scene that they couldn't quite figure out how to find the right tone. Well, they need to bang. They that... need to bang is is the end goal for the scene. And from a actor's motivation standpoint, I wouldn't be surprised if that that was ridley scott's advice to everybody doing the acting nothing about what has happened to them in this so far in the film would be uh, an aphrodisiac <laughs> no exploding heads uh deep depacketated aliens like i would just want to sit there and talk for a bit like this would be a lot to process uh, a, a scary british man screaming in my fucking face <laughs> the hell of a day yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah he brings her a rose because it was going to be like I don't know. He was going to use it for something. To quote Will Smith, the victory dance. Victory dance. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he's just—he's a sad sack. He's just life isn't life isn't special. Anybody can create it. And she turns that into uh, because I can't have children. You're talking about me. Mm. It's really I the the A to B there is just well. And also, it's like I, I know he's drunk. I've been saying girlfriend just because it's fun. Mm-hmm. I think they're supposed to be married, and they're supposed to be very enamored with each other yeah dude like you know better yeah. <laughs> like, like very poor choice of words sir. The, way, the way she's triggered here i'm like you've probably done this before so you should have been yeah it's, it's like dude. it's like you you uh, not everybody but you of all people should be keenly aware that that's probably a a, a, a pressure point for yeah. this one <laughs> yeah. yeah but they he he says that and then they just bone that's that's just what happens yeah wow yeah um by the way, may, help me out here, Kyle. Maybe you can make something of this because I was tossing around ideas. But I, I noticed that there were carnivorous plants in their room, and I don't know if maybe that's supposed to be symbolic of the nature of their journey because carnivorous plants often lure in like flies and other insects by presenting something that they desire, like a like a sweet something or other, and then they fall to their doom. Well, that's, I mean, this is how they were lured to this planet, was there? I think yeah, I, curiosity. That's, that's me projecting. I, that, I could be just making nothing, something also, out of nothing, but nothing's in a movie on accident from a production design standpoint. They're very visible, and they're very specific plants. These aren't just ferns. Well, These are like bulbs that, yeah. it's a fucking victory bell if you know, if you know your Pokemans. <laughs> uh, also, I think they 
but maybe the writer and director uh, anticipated that um, a future generation would be not interested in having kids and would be very interested in taking care of plants because that is what our generation does. I mean, I already used this joke, but you want to talk about reasons we don't have a bigger audience, Kyle? Yeah. Because we're not talking about fucking plant care <laughs> because good fucking God. Everybody I know has plants. Every single one of my friends has a plant collection. Plants and ugly little dogs. You are the only person I know that doesn't have a plant collection. Yeah. No, I, you have I a collection, it. it's not plants. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but then we get Captain Vicar, uh, the Captain and Vicar's uh, bone. This is, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, Idris, I mean, they're two very good looking people, and he is very charismatic. Um, but this is a, a strange scene where she just comes up to the bridge, and Idris Elba's there with his little uh, accordion, just kind of tinkering on it. Apparently, this scene is there for whimsy. Okay. Um, it. It doesn't really add much to anything. Apparently, Ridley Scott just enjoyed his time with these actors, and mm-hmm. as evidenced by that that questionable scene you pointed out, that I'm really glad you did about Idris Elba just having a few minutes extra screen time. Yeah. There was there was a desire to just find excuses to add more of him to the movie. Yeah. Um, it doesn't make a lick of sense, but yeah. it's there. <laughs> um, yeah. But this scene was weird to me because it weirdly inconsistent with Vickers' character. Yeah. And it could just be because he's really hot. I think it is. Yeah. Um, honestly, I think that is yeah. the explanation because the way she is when it's just the two of them is radically different from the way she behaves around other people. So he, uh, Idris Elba has a, a small role in the office for a few, a few episodes. He comes in after um, Michael is let go or quits mm. and he's the boss and He's just a no-nonsense kind of guy, and the two of the women that work in the office are just, like, head over heels for him, and they're, like, getting into, like, arguments and, like, like competing for his attention, and, you know, they have the talking head, so we usually have, like, they've asked the question, but when you get to the talking head, they're answering the question, so they have one where it cuts to him after they're, like, fighting, and he goes... Yes, I am aware of the effect I have on women. <laughs> it's, it's so good, um, but this is this just kind of makes sense here. Yeah. Um, also, yeah. kind of weird trivia that they both found their way to the Fast and Furious franchise eventually. I can see that. Yeah. 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 Him and Hobbs and Shaw and her in like the last two movies. Mm. Yeah, um, I prefer to say they were, I, I didn't know that they were both a part of that franchise. I just didn't put put that together. Yeah. But yeah, he's just like uh, he's like she's just kind of asking some questions. She's like, "What is that accord? Like, what is that?" Yeah, she teases him about his antiquated instrument, and uh, she also complains about how long the mapping process is taking. Yeah. And but even the tone when she asks that is like softer. Yeah. Than, than every other exchange she has in this movie, and I really do think it just came down to. He's really fucking hot. Yeah. And it, we're alone. <laughs> it, it does make sense. She doesn't seem like a person who's wasting her time. Like, if she has questions, it's for a specific purpose. Yeah. 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 So he's just like, you know, if you want to get laid, you can know you could just ask. And, yeah, she's just like, I'm leaving. And this is the, the line that closes it. She just asks, hey, are you a robot? And she's just like, oh, my my room, 10 minutes or whatever. I'm like, huh? <laughs> what the hell happened? Yeah, and it's weird, too, because we don't revisit that. And upon my initial viewing of this movie, I was actually, I was actually like questioning like, what what exactly is her 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 deal? Because like, it's heavily implied that he could have got some of that if he wanted, but then he doesn't seem to be like thrilled about it. And like, there's like a, a bet running between the other crew members like about her and stuff. So it's like you would expect him to be like kind of like pounding his chest about whatever. Like, but no, it's just 
thrown away. I think I think he it I think he's had a lot of these interactions. I think he knows the deal. It uh, is a funny line though. <laughs> just the timing of his like long pause. Are you a robot? <laughs> I do like what he says. If you can't be with the one you love, the, love the, the one, one you're with. with. <laughs> it's, it's really good. By the way, uh, peep those uh, Ugg boots that she's traipsing around. <laughs> I think she might be attracted to authority a bit because although she is the leader of the expedition, he is the he's, captain. He's the captain. It was, she's like talking about him with the Christmas tree and he, she's like, you need to be down there. He's like, well, I'll get down there when I want to. So Yeah. It, I, I, it works. But yeah. Uh, yeah, we get back to Rafe and Tattoo Face. Um, <laughs> and I, I do, this is where the movie's going to start picking up. Yes. Um, and I do think it, it gets pretty fun here. Uh, so yeah, they've got these, they're just kind of like, just wandering around and they end up finding, it looks like a puddle of black water. Well, Let's I'll stop it. you right there. They're not wandering. They decided to Make make camp in the headroom. Oh, yeah. The headroom, the, the the entirety of the floor consists of leaking black goo. Nope. No. Or, no, just anywhere, anywhere else, man. Well, these movies do have a lot of bad... The, the, the alien movies, at least for Covenant 1 and 2, um, bad decision machines, really. Like, there's a lot of poor decisions made by Well, and people. actually, that was a funny thing that I, I only really really keyed in on strongly this time I watched Alien with the girlfriend was that um, John Hurt Kane as little screen time as he has the one element of his characters either from the fact that he really likes to smoke um, is a he's adventurous Yeah, he is the one who volunteers to put on the spacesuit and go walking he is the one that wants to keep pressing forward he's an explorer mm-hmm. like that's, that's seemingly how he yeah. gets his jollies so him getting too close to the alien egg makes perfect sense yeah. like like he he is a risk taker and it's demonstrated subtly and effectively Billy Crudup he's just a fucking idiot yeah. a complete fucking idiot <laughs> like honestly yeah um, but yeah, so then we, we get to this little puddle area and there's like some movement going on and then we get these reptilian bulbous dick cobras Dick Cobras, yes. Yeah, Dick Cobras. Yes. Uh, officially, well, not officially, but if, apparently the, the production staff referred to them as the Hammerpede. Gotcha. Hammerpedes. But yes, it's a Dick Cobra. It's a Dick Cobra. It's totally a Dick Cobra. Uh, again, like we, we put a pin, like we had said earlier, like there's worms like in the soil. And it would make sense that if this black goo got on one of those things, it could create something like this. The black goo makes no goddamn sense. <laughs> but, but point is, this is what happens when a worm is exposed to the black goo. Engineers disintegrate when they get the black goo for me there is the black goo has limits it does have like a a spectrum of things it does like it's not always consistent but it is limited it's not the all magic black goo i i I don't know what the black goo does it's it it, it's it's very irritating (laughs) because I, i i like my monster movies and this shows my preference i enjoy monster movies more so than like straightforward science expedition movies uh, this movie's somewhere in between that, but the thing I love about monster movies is the learning the hows and whys of the thing. Like literally, the John Carpenter's The Thing is a really good example of that, where we learn along with the characters the rules of how it operates. Whereas this, this black goo has its fucking Thunderdome. It's got no rules. It's more ele- for it's more elemental, which means it just does. Like no, it, it just it has it has it a makes, property. It makes like a, a heavily symmetrical, like neatly organized hammerpeed creature, Dick Cobra, yeah. 
But then when it gets on people, it makes them like primitive and super strong and savage. I can't. Okay, we'll get Logan to Marshall Green just looks like he was dying. Like it didn't look like it was doing anything to improve him. Mm-hmm. And if you if you drink it and it gets into your dick and it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Hammer Pete, Dick yeah. Cobra. What happens, guys? Yeah. So this thing comes. This thing sticks out of the. Uh, out of the goo and then gives like a little it fans out a little bit yeah it so, has a cobra hood yeah like a cobra hood um, and rightfully so Tattoo's face is like get the fuck away from that thing and uh, this Ray, is when he's stoned by the way yeah he is he's pretty baked at this point <laughs> um, but I do like I do like that he's just like is that tobacco and he's just like sure it's yeah, tobacco like, yeah he, like, he tobacco. fashioned it he like fashioned it into his suit so he could smoke while he's around there he's like you're a disgrace to scientists I feel like <laughs> They're starting to get a little more buddy buddy there. It's yeah. fun, um, but yeah. So uh, Rafe is just oh look, she's beautiful. Oh, and he's like kind of nervous about it. I'm like get the like run, run, <laughs> get the fuck out of there. And he just like goes to pet it again. Don't do that. No. But this is you know if this is space horror, this is sci-fi horror. Like people have to make bad decisions, so you as the audience can be like. Why would he do that? But there's limits, man. I know. But can't not touch. Can't not touch. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, so this thing ends up getting a hold of his arm, and I do. I think this is a well act. I think he does a really good job with this. Oh, this scene is magnificent. Yeah. Like, like there, there are some really incredible scenes in this movie, and and all the bad things I've ever said about Alien, Alien Covenant, uh, the, that middle sequence, the 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 backburster sequence. Love it is masterclass of just tension building and, and gory payoff. That yes. sequence is incredible. Correct. And there are a couple of banger sequences in this one that really, I mean, Ridley Scott is a fucking filmmaker. I do have some complaints about this movie. But yeah, this scene, this confrontation with the hammerpeed, the pacing of it, the the, the noise, the mm-hmm. violence of it, it comes it comes fast and hard and yeah. it, it's effective <laughs> his screaming the arm break uh he gets face fucked <laughs> yeah so the hammer peed get it wraps around his arm and it, he it snaps his arm in twain essentially it's yeah. just hanging limp and uh he's calling for Fifield to help him and out of desperation he pulls a knife and tries to cut it off um and then we discover like our xenomorphs down the line uh it does have acid for blood mm-hmm. which sprays on Fifield's uh domed space helmet and it's nasty because it, the glass melts onto his face yeah that is a cool visual yeah. like that's one of those things that you don't see in movies very often but that's really creative and really fucking nasty yeah, um and Fifield falls face down into the black goo um more on that later yeah um but yeah we discovered that the hammerpeed has like tapeworm like characteristics where just because it's quote head has been lopped off it actually just like seals the wound and forms a new little nub for a head mm-hmm. and then using the arm break it goes into his spacesuit through like a, a rupture in the suit and gets into his helmet and goes down his throat well, i think worms can do that maybe uh yeah some a lot of di- a lot of different species of worms can okay that's what i thought so it makes sense for this thing yeah but yeah let me get back to the ship and charlie's you know post bone uh also this is a bad hangover because i don't know how much water he was drinking he did at least a bottle of champagne possibly another half i mean i know it's the lighting but he looks jaundiced he looks (laughs) (laughs) he looks like that yellow bastard uh and i do like um i do like how it plays out for charlie (laughs) because he's just kind of like like he's like 
splash of water on his face. I've been there. And, uh, <laughs> and he's just like looking at his eye and he sees this little, little worm thing in there. I'm like, oh, fuck. That's not good. Yeah, but then we adjust the framing like it's a it's a cut and it you can tell that he's questioning if that happened or not mm-hmm. um but it did <laughs> yeah. but, but now we're gonna get the search party we got to go find the other two because they're not answering their comms yeah peter stormer went on, went wandering we haven't <laughs> seen him for a minute so we gotta organize a search party he was totally gonna take a shit uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be a minute <laughs> yeah yo carter i'm going to the ladies room uh, uh, but yeah, yeah they, we uh, we get together a search party to head back to the pyramid, and uh, David actually volunteers to investigate a pup yeah, that is stalled. Uh, it seems to have hit a wall of some sort, so he's like, hey, how about you look for the humans, and I'll go look for the pup. Yeah. Uh, so he does that alone, um, and we head back to the ship, and David... Uh, he opens the shutter door for the pup, and he discovers a giant stockpile of goo canisters, mm-hmm. Um, and when he heads further into the chamber, he turns off his video feed uh, that Vickers is watching, and she's yeah. like, son, son of, a, of bitch. a bitch, yeah. cut my feed. Um, and around this time, we're cutting back and forth between David's adventure and the search party, uh, and Charlie starts to get sick. Uh, his eyes are horribly bloodshot, and he's got the shivers and stuff. He's not look good. Yeah. yeah, and they also find uh, Milborn. I believe that's a Rafe's ball dead and uh, a worm jumps out of his mouth. Doesn't hurt anybody, but it goes Rah! like the chestburster in the first alien. And uh, it's Charlie's real bad, yeah. uh, so we got to bail. So everybody picks him up, and they head back to the vehicles. And uh, this is where we get kind of a flashback to the original alien, the quarantine protocol. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, I do believe. Oh no, he hasn't found the sleeping architect yet. Um, so yeah. Oh, we he does get there. So David, like, we're heading back to the ship, but David. Uh, heads into the star map room and uh squishy egg buttons i love the squishy egg buttons I, i'm like can they make keyboards out of that i'd love to have that can i have marshmallow buttons on my keyboard because that's what they look like yeah i love those squish buttons silly, I, silly putty buttons so cool yeah we get uh so i do like so this where this is where the flute came from because yes i, I want to talk about the david real quick because then we can get to the please, other fun please. part um but yeah david uh is watching this like, little video we see that um the the person sits in the thing and does a little flute. Uh, does a little like Ivan Ooze. Yeah, from Mighty Morphin from Power Rangers. <laughs> I forgot about that. So did I. Oh, yeah. it's until just now. He gets his little flute going real quick, and then we see that one of the engineers is still alive, and I uh, in the cryo sleep thing. Um, but yeah, I was like, well, I wonder where that flute came from in Alien Covenant. I forget there's a flute in this movie. Yeah, I I had forgotten that too because it's actually very small in this but they make it a whole big thing in Covenant. But yeah, it, it's part of the control console for the ship. So yeah. David has the familiarity with Thanks. the flute. Yeah. I've said, yeah, we have to go now. We have to break quarantine protocols. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, we do get the delightful uh, star map sequence here. It's. I and, remember that being in the trailer and being like, ooh, this looks pretty crazy. It needs to be said, uh, this movie was shot in 3D. Because remember, this is 2012. 3D was star- still very much in vogue. And Ridley Scott was very excited uh, to to do a 3d film um they shot it in 3d so not like a post-process films where it looks like ass when you watch it in 3d this one was intended to do that and it was scenes like this that i'm sure watching on the big screen in 3d looked incredible well this scene in two just normal oh it, it looks, looks astounding yeah, it's, it's beautiful yeah it it's is. so beautiful <laughs> i remember this scene in the theater it was pretty it was pretty cool 
Yeah, no, it, it, it's a showstopper. Um, and it, it, they allow it to breathe, too. It, it doesn't linger, it's not too long. Apparently, a fun fact, uh, they were blasting Dark Side of the Moon. Oh, uh, really? While uh, Fastbender was doing the pantomime uh, in the room. Um, but yeah, I do love how Charlie is just getting so bad, and Shaw is just like, "It's all right, we're gonna help you, Charlie." I'm like, "Oh no, you're not." <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> you cannot help him. Uh, by the way, the star map shows that the destination was Earth. Mm. Uh, the ship clearly didn't leave, but before whatever happened happened, des- like Earth was yes the- was the destination. Yeah. Um, I do love this. How I believe. Idris Elba is like we. You guys need to prep. We have somebody. Something's wrong with uh, Charlie. We need you guys to get ready. And uh, I like Vickers is like uh uh-uh, uh 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 uh. She ripples that shit. She oh she goes above and beyond. <laughs> She's like that motherfucker is not coming on here. She's got the flamethrower. Like she is going to burn this dude alive. Yeah. So in case folks at home, if you're not familiar as familiar with the Alien movies as Kyle and I are, um, this is kind of an allusion to the scene that kind of starts the plot uh, of that film is getting the infected person on board and kyle's always maintained that like if they just listen to ripley she was doing it by the book like if you just listen to the lady like you would have been fine all of you would have been fine john hurt not so much but the rest of you would have been fine and i loved watching that with the girlfriend because she she was flipping out yeah she was like that dude he opened the door it's infuriating she was pissed yeah Yeah. So yeah, uh, this is this is a really dark scene. I was thinking so like, uh, Vickers is not letting him on there. Yes. And uh, he's just like uh, David or Charlie's just like okay, it's okay. And like he starts walking towards. He's like, don't fucking come near me. And he's like, do it. Like I I'm done basically. Just yeah. go ahead and get it done. She sets his ass on fire and he burns alive right in front of his wife slash girlfriend. Yeah, it's a very well acted sequence on all parts. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, this was shot on a soundstage because of the pyrotechnics and stuff. Um, most sense. of the movie was actually shot like on a location in Iceland. I've, I had a feeling. Yeah, it looks like Iceland. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like it. Um, but yeah, I really liked uh, Charlize Theron's reaction because she doesn't look happy about it. Mm-mm. Like from a character standpoint, we we know that she's capable of doing this. Yeah. But when it actually happens, like she, she's not meant to look like a monster. She's actually look, looking very human in the moment, and you know she just did what she had to do. And it's you know, like, for lack of a better better term, this is like suicide by Vickers, essentially. Yeah. Like he is inviting this. In fact, he says do it. Like he's asking her to to do it because he's in a lot of pain. He knows it's not going to go well for him. Uh, but yeah, Shaw is not happy about it. Um, and then we, I think we do like a fade to white. Where, yeah, where being, Shaw wakes up on an operating table. Yeah, Dave, David and Shaw. Um, this is very uncomfortable. <laughs> did, they, did they give her a sedative or something, or does she just pass out from the uh, drama? I think it was the shock. Oh, okay. she just passes out. Okay. Um, and this is where I'm picking up more subtle cues that David is evil. Like this. Is, this <laughs> you don't say. This is a creepy. This is a creepy little thing here. Um, yeah, he's really trying to get her into cryo sleep, and like knowing that she has something in there, it's like this is really dark. Like he's. No, this is an incredibly uncomfortable exchange. Yeah. It's it's played really well. There's almost some like, I think they're intentional, but there's almost some humor in this as well. So, she wakes up to David trying to take her cross off of her neck mm-hmm. to decontaminate, presumably, um, and then he has to ask. He has to broach the subject of like, so Charlie was really sick, 
and we don't know how he got sick, but you guys were like a thing. Like, right. like did you have any intimate relations? Did you? Did you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, he points out that yes, she is. He's like, oh, you appear to be three months pregnant. Congratulations, <laughs> pregnant. <laughs> and uh, she wants to see it. Uh, she really wants to see it. And I got, I, I gave a tee hee. Like I, I started cracking up when he just rolls his eyes to the side and he's like don't think that's a good idea <laughs> because he knows what it looks like yeah uh and then he knocks her out he gives her i think a shot in the neck or whatever yeah, it is he, he jabs her with a needle she goes back to sleep and before she passes out though he very creepily uh lets her know that he's been snooping on her dreams mm-hmm. and uh he tells her to her face it's like that's such a shame that this drama is playing out for you again she's yeah. like what do you mean again? He's like, well, you know, Ebola killed your dad very unexpectedly, and now your dude got very sick unexpectedly. That's that sucks for you. Yeah. Good night. <laughs> uh, yeah. Then she she kind of well the scene uh, the next part of the scene is that we have the Scottish lady. I think somebody else there in um, hazard uh, uh, hazard suits. Yeah, hazmat. Hazmat. There you go. Yeah, the suits are hazardous. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, hazmat suits. Um, and uh, she's playing. Uh, she's playing that little that little sleepy sea snake that lays down at the bottom. Yeah, speaking yeah. of Rafe's ball, uh, like the the evil raptor in Fallen Kingdom. Oh God! Where he gives a little smirk. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the raptor smiles. Yes. Uh, uh, but yeah, she's not going quietly. Uh, no, she busts her way out of this shit. Yeah, uh, she she pulls a fast one on them. She was playing possum, pretending to be asleep, and she beats the fuck out of some scientists. Uh, yeah, you know it, it's fun. What can I say? Yes, but now uh, now she's having like she's in a lot of pain, and she's just she's realizing that something's wrong here, um, and she's getting into this. She knows about this machine, like like the, what this machine's capable of. Um, and yeah, she, I, it, from a logistical standpoint, it's a little weird that somehow she just gets into the private chambers of Vickers without anyone noticing yeah I think uh, I think in the chaos of everything like we spoiler uh, Wayland's a, is this, it's Wayland right yeah uh, this is actually a, a funny revelation that had me a little confused because she gets up to the the Pauling med pod or whatever it's called the super du- the super devil juice machine that can fix any of your ailments uh, and it tells her it's calibrated for males only. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? Yeah, what does that mean? Um, but um, she manages to change change the operation because she's asking for like a specifically female cesarean. And it's like, can't do that. Uh, we're, not, we're not calibrated for that. So she changes it to like uh, a surgery to extricate a foreign body mm-hmm. instead. Um, she hops in there. Um, I'm imagining Vickers and, and Yannick or Janik, uh, Idris Elba, just like banging next door. Just <laughs> <laughs> here in the background. <laughs> um, I mean, because where is she? Yeah. Like, like well, Way- Wayland is presumably nearby. I mean, he's in cryosleep. They're waking him up. So yeah. she gets finished with this and he's like, he's yeah. just, so I think they're preoccupied with okay. other stuff. So that makes sense. Yeah. They left the door unlocked. Yeah. But uh, this, this scene is probably, you know, it's the, crazy. It's one of the most well-executed sequences in the movie, if not the most. It, I, it might be. It's pretty awesome. It's probably the most memorable for me. The star map is the most beautiful, but this one is just like in terms of tension building and like maintaining the energy and the strength of her performance. 
it's just really it's yeah. really well conceived and really well put together yeah. it's a it's an awesome sequence yeah if you haven't seen it i'm not gonna just yeah just we don't even it. need to go into detail the point is she gets in this pod and uh these little little robot arms slice her the fuck open mm-hmm. um and she's like jabbing herself with anesthetic needles like just whenever she's feeling herself blacking out i guess yeah. um and uh yeah, they they remove a squid, a albino squid. <laughs> Congratulations, Reg. It's a squid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it totally looks like the, the squid baby from Men in Mid-Bug, Black. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it comes out, and we get we even get to see the fucking uterus, like the sack explode mm-hmm. and spew goo all over her. I'm sure Ridley Scott was having fun with that. Yeah. Apparently, the way they shot the sequence was just like, just like, go. Like, yeah. like they, they did the whole thing in like one take and just like got every angle of it and he was like oh, that was fucking great perfect <laughs> that's, that's good um, but yeah uh, this uh, wriggling white squid creature comes out of her stomach and uh, her stomach is stapled shut yeah um, which some people have been keen to point out it's like that woman's abdominal tissue has been obliterated yeah. She is not moving. <laughs> like, she is not running around. I think she hit herself with some morphine. I think that was one of the things she gave herself. A lot. But even still, it's yeah. like your your muscle structure has been lasered the Dick. fuck open. Yeah. Like, like we had to get under that. Under the muscle. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's fine. It works. My, uh, no, my note just says C-section scene, marvelous. Marvelous. That's it. Yeah. It's <laughs> great. Um, but yeah, then we get um, tattoo faces back somehow. Yeah, uh, fun fun little behind-the-scenes factoid. This scene was shot twice. Okay. Uh, initially, Fifield here was meant to be... His look was meant to be evocative of the traditional xenomorph. Oh. But then they nixed that idea because, uh, like I said, the script was rejiggered at multiple points, and this was very explicitly supposed to be a alien prequel initially mm-hmm. in the writing phase. But then... We came back around. It's like maybe it'll be like a way early prequel, and, and maybe we won't even have any xenomorph stuff. So they shot it both ways, and this was the one they went with for the finished product, where he just looks like a I don't know primitive zombie ape man. Yeah, I kind of I like this idea of like a, a mutated human, like this being a way that it can manifest. Like like you said, there's not a lot of it's not cons- completely consistent, but. I liked. I kind of like this idea because it does give. I mean, xenomorphs are like crazy strong. Um, yeah, it was kind of a fun idea, but I feel like it would have to be like it would have to deteriorate really quick. You know what I mean? Like, the, like the that would human- be a cool idea. Where if it's meant to be a weapon, which the black goo is often characterized as, as a biological weapon of some sort, it, it'd be like it gives it gives birth to violent creatures that are very powerful, but they burn out and like fall apart on themselves. So it's like if you're trying to it's like doing a bombing raid on a town or something. It's like you want to be able to go in after the fact, so you don't want those things to be lingering. You want the flames to burn themselves out. Like the human body isn't capable of withstanding the power that it has, and because we're fragile, like you just like the, like he's like trying to punch through something, and it ends up like breaking his arm. So yeah, his ability to generate force exceeds his ability, like. To withstand. Like yeah. like the NFL. <laughs> the, the human body's capability of doling out yeah. punishment has exceeded its ability to absorb it. I'm going to put a pin in that. I don't know if I've ever seen that in a movie before. 
Yeah. Or you get some kind of superhuman ability. But it's not Snowflake. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so they get like, um, they get his little his little camera and it's just looking straight, it's kind of uh, uh, flickering, but it's just looking down at gravel, basically. It's just looking down at the ground. And they're like, okay, well, it's ba- he's back, so we need to like put the gate down and see what's going on out there. Um, and they're like, yeah, it's just a crumbled up, he's just like all crumbled up. Like somebody like literally like threw him in the trash can. Yeah, he's he's like in a contortionist pose where yeah. his his head is positioned in a place it should not be. Yeah. It's between his knees. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, yeah, I don't know what's going on. The guy turns around and he just stands up, and then he just starts beating the shit out. He of He literally people. goes ape shit on yeah. them. Yeah, it's, um, cool. it's pretty cool. It's yeah. pretty savagely violent. Could have been more violent because I did notice when he's when he's raining hammer fists down on the one dude. That is a rubberized head that I'm pretty sure was shooting gore out of its eyeballs. Mm. But we we do like a quick cut. It's like, damn it, Ridley. It's like yeah. you, I, you have pull, man. You like you could have gotten that past the censors, but but yeah, we get some gore here, some violence, and from a utilitarian standpoint, Ridley Scott said that the sequence it, it's also kind of there for whimsy, just for an action beat to propel things forward, keep people engaged. It is pretty fun, but also it's so he can have something to cut back and forth between Shaw wandering the halls of the Prometheus. Mm-hmm. Like, it exists to create a rhythm, I guess. Yeah. To make what would otherwise be a really boring, boring sequence, sequence of yeah. her just, like, sloppily, like, rolling down the hallways and stuff. It yeah. makes a lot of sense. I, I can respect that. Um, but then Shaw finds Wayland. I do like how this kind of this kind of plays out. Like, she's just, like, in her underwear and brawl, just kind of, like, the way she's walking, she's... <laughs> She looks like she just got out of surgery. She's not supposed to be up. Yeah, she she does. And it doesn't help that she's in, like, a diaper. <laughs> it's a diaper. Uh, but, yeah, she just kind of, like, opens a door. And David's just like, oh, how did you get up? Yeah. <laughs> Shaw, what are you doing what here? What are you doing here? But Waylon's just like, yeah, come on in. Well, let's talk about it. Um, and I, I'm like, dude, he is putting a lot of eggs in this basket. He's just like, well, you convinced me that... These people created us, so I thought maybe they could save us. I'm like, that's your A to B. That's your that's your that's your inference. That's what you took from that. Like, okay, man, spend a billion dollars on that. Yeah, like 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 Josh Brolin in in Hollow Man. It's like A B C, motherfucker. Yeah. You can't go from A to C. Yeah, <laughs> you got to have the B. And it, and it almost feels like he's just like, and if they don't. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> that's, how much, that's how much stock he's put into this idea. And if they don't, well, I'll cut them a very big check and hope for the best. Hope for the best. <laughs> Get um, my cane. Yeah. And she's just like, okay. And yeah. she's just like free to leave. Yeah, I was surprised by that. Because they have armed personnel on yeah. on the Prometheus that are, you know, on the Wayland payroll. But oh. like, she's just allowed to... I mean, they don't help her, but like, no, they're no. not going to help her back to her bed or anything. But and, um. I was going to say, and this is where we get to the weirdest scene in the movie, which is the captain explaining the premise. Yes, he suddenly just pieces it together. He just he just knows. He's yeah. been paying a lot more attention than I thought. But I, I do want to point out real quick: uh, mm-hmm. there's some Catholic shit here. Oh, of um, course. Stuff that I don't know about, but I. I I know when a movie is trying to com- communicate some form of symbolism to me, even if I don't understand it. Like, when Wayland's like, in his white robe and David's at his feet, he's washing his feet. Yeah. That's, like, as far as I know, that's like a, some form of Catholic ritual. We used to do that in my church. Yeah. Yeah. It's a thing. 
Uh, it's fucking gross. <laughs> I don't want people to touch my feet. I watched grown man's feet when I was a kid. They watched mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, but yeah, this sequence is an exposition dump that comes from the most unexpected of sources. Yeah, <laughs> he, yeah he, he, just, he just comes in and he's like, it's not a planet, it's a military installation. And we're like, oh, huh? What? What? <laughs> She's not processing this at all. Well, yeah, she's like putting on her wetsuit. She's just like she's looking for a fucking cliff bar or something. Yeah. And then Yannick just runs in. He's pr- out I mean, of breath. Be, I mean, it would be better if he was in like a bathrobe after finishing up with Vickers. Just, like, just, like, it just it just popped into my head just now. Just a scene of him kind of putting it together, like just a little something. Well, yeah, because he's he's intentionally been distancing himself from the events of this of the film like he has been he's been apathetic and trying to remain very objective he does seem like he's so they don't it makes sense that he could be like um like uh ex-military like he used to run yeah military yeah. operations apparently that was in in some form of the script ne- it's not in the movie it's it's a production note before they started filming just throw it in there and like he kind of pieces it together because he's the one studying it makes sense because he's the one kind of studying the outline if he just yeah. kind of like pieces it together it would make sense but yeah yeah, yeah it, it it's weird and like i said they're, they're very unashamed of the fact that this sequence exists to propel the plot forward as well as give idris elba some more things to do yeah because he's he's idris elba people like him um, not as much as I think studios think they do, but like I, like Jared Leto, I don't know if he puts as many asses in seats as they think he does. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, he has this big exposition dump, and uh, this is where he makes like kind of an agreement with Shaw that she's like, if all that's true, if this is not their home planet, this is a military installation, they're gonna nuke Earth with black goo or something. Uh, Yannick, you need to stop the ship from getting to earth it's like squeeze me it's like we don't even know if the ship's operational (laughs) that was the other thing i'm sorry wayland also says that uh david found they they let her know that they found a sleeping engineer. that's why they woke him up because they found a sleeping engineer alive um and actually that i don't remember if it's actually stated in the film but in the script it's explained that the reason the life form it goes in and out on the scanners is because it like the way the pod works is it like beats its heart like once every hour or something oh, okay. to prolong its life um so it comes across as like a phantom signal um uh, but yeah we have a really cool exchange between vickers and wayland um they're putting in in his like exosuit kind of to mm-hmm. help him move around um and she's just like hissing at him through her teeth uh, she is waiting for him to die yes <laughs> like that's what she wants she doesn't want to be here she's only here because like she i think the way she phrases it is like either i could be back on earth uh fighting with the board like the corporate board over who has control of the company or i could go with you and witness your death and come back and just take the throne yeah um so she's like i guess this is the more expedient route to take and she yeah. just really wants him to fucking croak <laughs> and uh, they have nothing to say to each other no um but yeah now they're gonna go talk to the engineers i do like how quickly they're like well, let's go let's go let's go let's go like, <laughs> they're just pushing him through the i mean spaceship. they should have fucking did a, did a yoda with david and Waylon. just yeah. <laughs> just have him like piggyback him. Yeah. <laughs> he does no time for questions and i don't really honestly think he gives a shit at this point like he's just no. like he's wants to go straight to go talk to the engineers yeah 
Um, but yeah, they get there. Uh, so we've got uh, Scottish lady, guy with gun. Uh, there's a reason why I'm saying this because there's a funny, there's a funny thing coming. There is a pretty funny thing. Um, yeah, we got we got some people, and they're like, we're gonna go wake up this engineer, and uh, they do. They just they pop it open. And he gets up immediately. Yeah, David has some fun lines between him and Shaw. By the way, I didn't oh, think yeah. you had to continue. Sorry, poor choice of words. Yeah. <laughs> That's so fucking mean. Little shit. He is, he is, he is a catty little bitch. He's a stinker. <laughs> but, um, um, doesn't everyone want their parents dead? Which I guess is supposed to imply he, like Vickers, is also... I think at this point, the his arc is that he is subservient to Wayland. Mm-hmm. But I think at this point, he's recognizing that that doesn't always have to be the case. Mm-hmm. And curiosity seems to be what drives him. So I think he... He and Vickers want the same thing, basically. So he and Vickers both want to see Wayland bite the dust, uh, yeah. no matter how it happens. But um, so Yannick is examining the map, which is being mapped by the pups and whatnot. And this is where, uh, again, he has all the answers. Uh, they discover that uh, the bulbous pyramid structure is actually just like a foundation for the the kind of like corona-shaped object, which is the derelict ship from the original alien or codenamed the juggernaut Mm -hmm. uh in the production it's never stated on film but in the production that's what it was called so we discover here that ah it it is pretty much the same silhouette as the spaceship from the original alien it's not the same ship it's the same design (laughs) um but yeah uh david exposits that uh the engineers were planning a trip to Earth. However, he's not sure if that meant to seed new life or eradicate the life that currently exists there. Yeah. So this is kind of the, the crux of the finale of the thing. But yeah, we have our confrontation with the engineer and actually sneaks up very quickly. Like Kyle said, it's like there's not a whole lot of like build up or anticipation. We just kind of like march into the room and he opens like David does. He just opens it and it's like, I, don't, I wasn't ready, buddy. <laughs> it's like, I didn't comb my hair yet. <laughs> he kind of doesn't care that they're there. He just kind of like knocks, knocks one of them out of the way as he's getting up. But, uh, Waylon like looks up to him and he's just like, can you save me please? And, uh, I'm old and I don't want to die. And he's just kind of looking at him like what? And then David busts out the language and yeah, the, the scene is, simultaneously very frustrating but also i don't know it feels like what has to happen because like a lot of a lot of the idea here is if we're going to be talking about like meeting the the quote creator and whatnot there's an expectation that it will be this this grand thing but earlier in the movie when the head exploded david had had just like an off line of dialogue saying like mortal after all mm-hmm. as in these engineer things aren't gods they're they're just creatures that happen to be scientifically more advanced than any others that we've encountered um much like david i guess but um david is there to serve as the mouthpiece for wayland who wants to ask about prolonging his life that's his whole mission to come out here but then shaw steps up oh yeah and just Yak, yak. Why did you do this? Why did you do this? Yeah, like, why do you hate it so much? Shut up. And he's just like, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I would backhand you, but I'm very frail. <laughs> Jones, and he just pops her in the stomach. Yeah. yeah. No, it's like she just starts. <laughs> and Wayland's like freaking the fuck out. And David's trying to communicate with the engineer because apparently he can speak their language. Uh, there is a deleted scene where there was an actual conf- conversation 
before things go bad um, between David and the engineer. What, this, do they, what do they say? I don't think it's subtitled. Oh. It's just they talk and then the tone of the conversation shifts in such a way where it's like, oh, this isn't going to go. Oh. This isn't going to go well for us. But the decision was made to nix that because uh, the director and the production found that it would be more satisfying to ha- to never hear them speak. Mm-hmm. I mean, we hear them grunt many times, like yeah. the engineer characters, the one at the beginning and the one here at the end, but we never actually hear them speak. And Ridley Scott's philosophy was that they, they, they have a superiority complex. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're looking at things they literally created. <laughs> like, yeah. And uh, it's like, I'm not going to honor you. Or, or dishonor myself by even bothering to communicate with you. You're, you're, you are as o- amoeba to me. Yeah. Um, and what's more, as David's trying to talk to him, he like reaches out and it looks like he's like caressing his hair, like as a kind gesture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but no, he picks him up and he doesn't quite choke slam him, but he does Steven Seagal him. He gives, he picks him up by the throat and he yanks his fucking head out of his body. Yeah. And he uses it to clobber Wayland and cause a horrible contusion on his yeah. forehead. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty great. It's pretty fucking great. Yeah, it's just like fuck all y'all. Like yeah, yeah not a word. He, he just like looks at this little android man speaking to him, and he's like, and Ridley Scott said that the idea was that it's almost an insult to have an artificial like. I created you humans. You created this guy, and you're having this guy be the one to talk to me. Like, come on. It's like, it's like you you disappoint me so. I guess so. <laughs> yeah he's just like all right and i'm taking off now <laughs> i've got to i got to i got to complete my mission um, yeah he I, I think he kills the scottish lady yeah they all they're all done yeah he, he like palm strikes her in the chest and yeah. presumably crushes her, her rib cage and then a uh, shotgun man he's grossly ineffectual yeah uh, he does get a shot off but he is also like tossed across the room yeah uh yeah, this engineer just kind of like lays waste to everybody, and meanwhile, Shaw's just like, I know I'm kind of the reason he's mad at us right now, but yeah. I'm gonna boogie. <laughs> I'm, I'm out of here. Uh, but yeah, so this thing is like gearing up to take off, and uh, Idris Elba's like, all right, uh, we're getting, Vickers is like, we got to get out of here. We're we're going, and they're they're gonna do that, but uh, Shaw manages to get out there and get a signal like, hey, remember what we talked about? You can't let it go, and he just without without thinking, he's like, "All right, yeah, that's it. Um, we can't. We're gonna destroy this." And Vickers is like, "Absolutely not. Get the fuck out of here." Um, and they're like, "Why can't we just go home?" He's like, "Well, there's gonna be no home to go home to." Like, it's that's good. what Shaw says. Yeah, yes. they're they're gonna destroy it all. And I do like you just I was like, "You better get the fuck out of here because uh, well, I'm blowing this thing up." Yeah, he he does give her a way out. He's like, you know, that escape pod, your your residence on the Prometheus, it does have life support. You can survive for a couple of years. Like you are probably gonna die, but yeah. but I will eject it for you. Like I'm not gonna give you time, but you got like forty seconds to get your ass over there. Yeah, why not try to use the escape pod thing? As... Throw the pod at the thing. Yeah. I don't know. The Yannick character is a little weird to me because he gets this like grand finale that only works if you really really like idris elba yeah and at this point in 2012 i was like he's cool well even the character in the movie like there's not enough to him like for him to have this like grand self-sacrificing end and like benedict wong is like just as warm and endearing as him but it's just kind of like 
I did not see this coming for these characters. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I did not think they were this righteous and self-sacrificing. I was gonna say like Don Lee and Train to Busan, he earns his. Oh, I could totally see that because he's he is so goddamn endearing, so affable in that movie. So when he he's gets a teddy bear, it, yeah. <laughs> when he gets his, you're like, oh, that one, that one really hurt. Um, but yeah, so they can't go home, and Vickers gets out of there, and we get the crash and smash. Crash uh, and smash. We get the uh, up. Yours. It, I mean, it's literally yeah, that. It's that. I think they just say hands off, yeah, like to prevent them from not crashing into the thing. But yeah. it is that, in the yeah. words of my generation, up yours. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they crash into the derelict ship. Which, by the way, we do get that sequence where the engineer uh, pulls up the telescope-looking control console from the original alien and dons the elephantine helmet. So we see, conf- it's confirmed. Like that's how it puts. That's how it fastens to him and stuff. It is a suit of armor. Oh man, I'm just thinking Die Hard. Um, that man looks really pissed. I like, mean, the engineer. Yes, yes yeah, one hundred percent. But uh, another point of contention. The, uh, another one of those cinema sins things that nitpickers really key in on about this movie. It's such a silly thing because it makes no goddamn sense. Uh, I'm I'm defending the movie, by the way. Um, when the the derelict craft when the juggernaut crashes after the prometheus smashes into it thereby killing idris elba and benedict wong and uh, i think it's like M- emin elliotson or something is the other guy in the- anyway doesn't matter doesn't fucking matter he's also scottish uh, <laughs> <laughs> not the scottish people don't matter this <laughs> character doesn't matter no he doesn't he eats noodles and says some funny things to benedict wong that's his role i believe you um anyway uh the cra- the alien spacecraft crashes on its side and it starts rolling and uh vickers escapes via the escape pod and she crashes down to the surface with shaw mm-hmm. and we get this uh sequence where they're running away from the falling debris uh, don't they run to the sides instead of roll, like running straight yeah some people bitch about like well why don't they just run to the side it's like because you're fucking terrified you're terrified and it's the terrain yeah I it's very possible that you can't go to the sides on terrain like this but it's like your your frontal lobe isn't really engaged when yeah. when you're panic that scared for your life like i i don't need no. i don't i don't need that to make sense like like also i think it's funny that like Charlie's Theron and 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 Numi Rapace. It's like I know Numi Rapace has like a she's got a dance background. She's a very fit gal. Yeah. Ridley Scott, direct quote, fit gals. <laughs> but um has a different meaning across the pond. <laughs> but but when you look at their strides, it's like Charlie's Theron is she's T one thousand again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like the race in uh, Rocky Three on the beach where it's like I'm pretty sure Carl Weathers, ex-NFL player Carl Weathers, could outpace Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if we had to shoot this a few times and have him slow down a bit. And in Charlie's Theron's case, it's like, dude, like, in a, in a straight-up just sprint, I'm putting my money on the leggy blonde. Yeah, so she's a gazelle. <laughs> <laughs> but, but she trips. Mm-hmm. So she gets ahead of herself. She trips. Shaw does too, but she uh, rolls. She up. rolls off to the side because she has a second to like recognize it's on top of me. I got one move to make. It's to roll. Honestly, Vickers like this is the best case scenario for you because this place is inhospitable. You're gonna survive for a couple years if that. Just get crushed real quick. It's it's funny because this I remember the scene being more brutal and more intense 
uh, watching it now, it's like it, it is awful. Like that's a bad way to go. Uh, just the just the psychological effect. The psychological effect, yes. But as far as the dying part of it, I remember it being more akin to Quint and Jaws. Oh. Like I remember it lingering more because there's a couple of shots where it's like we're getting into the Quint territory where it's like this is looking really bad, and if we hang out here long enough, I'm gonna start to get uncomfortable. Uh, but that, but as it stands, it's a really brutal end yeah. to to a character who actually is more dimension than than you would expect mm-hmm. like we do get to see her fairly human at times she's not a complete monster she's rude but she's not that bad of a person well she's by the book i yeah. mean and you could argue ripley would have done a lot of the same things she did in this movie would have <laughs> yeah. maybe not set him on fire but she would have not let him back on the ship no no of course not no but anyway yeah vickers is smushed uh, by yeah. by the derelict craft and then uh shop gets like boxed in by it she doesn't get smashed she's so she's alive but then she wakes up to a little voice in her head telling her she's got two minutes oh two remaining yeah shit uh so she heads to the lifeboat which is conveniently nearby um and she goes in there it has life support so she can take her helmet off and stuff and uh she starts <laughs> just like hoarding supplies in, in like a bag and uh, she also grabs a a curved axe yeah which i don't know what purpose that design serves climbing yeah, I, I could see it, like an ice axe or yeah, something. Yeah, it's like an ice axe. Yeah, I, yeah, good call. But um, this sequence was actually uh, also staged two different ways. Um, there are deleted scenes where she actually has like a kind of a battle with the engineer. Like she actually whacks him with the axe. Mm. And Ridley Scott was like, yeah. She would destroy her. She's like five feet tall. It was kind of that, and it's also just the idea of, like, we're still kind of flirting with the idea of them being, like, higher beings or something. It feels strange to have this small woman who has complicated feelings about these things whack them with an axe. (laughs) It's a strangely human moment. Um, But she gets the axe, and uh, strobe lights, because Ridley Scott knows a thing or two about strobes. That alien movie would not be half as good as it was without them strobes. Um, and then we get the reveal that uh, the pod room, the med pod room, uh, still has her, quote, baby in it. Mm-hmm. That was really cool when the tentacle comes down on the window before she opens the door. It's like, oh, <laughs> oh, no. It's grown at an exponential rate. Yeah. Um, and David actually pops on her radio, the severed head of David, uh, because we do know that androids, Wayland androids do have that ability mm-hmm. uh they have milk for blood as far as we can tell milk and fish eggs as far as it can tell. maybe some oatmeal as well um and he just like very calmly says like he's coming for you it's, <laughs> it's like i wonder who he is and then he's just like all right we have a breach and he's yeah. just already in there yeah uh, i do like her move here like he just like sees her and immediately comes towards her and quick decision uh she just hits that button real quick and the squid. It's squid yeah. versus engineer. Squid. <laughs> My God, it's the squid versus the engineer. <laughs> he is. He is mad. He's just. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty accurate. I, I do like the. I do like the fight. It's kind of. It's. It's. It's interesting because he's just this thing that is like super strong is being completely, nearly overpowered by the squid. Yeah, uh, I like. I really like the use of uh, the wire rigs they do because the way they have the puppetry staged with this actor wearing the 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 makeup effects for the engineer like he's 
he has his feet braced against the door frame mm-hmm. because he's fl- he's hoisted above the ground by its tentacles and it has so goddamn many of them that can it can do that yeah. and good god this thing's mouth is nightmare fuel yeah it's it's horrendous like it has all these little mouths that look like um tube worms like deep sea tube tube mm-hmm. worms uh kyle's partner would know all about that <laughs> um, but they look like the heads of tube worms from the bottom of the ocean um but it shoots out these like tendrils from those and that has like a toothed mouth in the center of the, and it like grabs all of his limbs and ridley scott was actually worried that numi repace like broke a leg during the sequence because <laughs> because we have this big ass stunt actor wearing this thing and then we have this like animatronic rod puppet creature hoisted on top of him and they both fall on her knees and he's like oh god did i break numi <laughs> but no she's fine um but long story short uh, i think this thing's called the trilobite it by is, the introduction yeah. dream and uh it uh does what alien creatures do and it puts it them. it puts it puts the thingy down his throat yeah and then it just envelops him and uh she extricates herself from the situation and runs out back to the surface and she has like an all is lost moment to herself where i don't blame her yeah like she has seen some shit um, and then some but she's like calling out to her lost dude charlie she's saying i, I can't do it anymore and then david calls yeah again um and i i forget exactly what he says but it's like i'm afraid something 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 she's like you have no idea what afraid is um which yeah i don't think he does actually um, but they come to a, an agreement of sorts where he's like, well, you're stranded. And, you know, your only life support option is in there with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, there are other ships, uh, Elizabeth. And he offers to pilot one of them for them, for them, the two of them. Um, so she goes back inside the ship and she retrieves his head and his body, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, which explains how he yeah. gets a body in Covenant. Um, and she also gets her cross back from him, which he had taken during the surgery. And I guess the plan is here. She wants to go to the engineer planet to learn why they've made us and now want to destroy us. Yeah. Um, did you, do you think that that exchange is going to go any better than it just I did? A, I was about to say, lady, like you, you had your shot. Yeah. <laughs> it did not go well. <laughs> I think I would take this ship back to earth. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know what you would eat, but no. I mean, maybe those those egg keyboard buttons d- double as actual eggs. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they, maybe, they, maybe there's enough. No, the the Prometheus is gone. Maybe she can take the foodstuffs from the. Uh, I mean, the, the, Idris Elba did I think toss out there the life support on on Charlie Theron's lifeboat thing could last a couple of years. Yeah. Um, so and we did see her like hoarding canned goods and stuff. So like she's just thinking ahead. But point is the logic behind this decision it's like you had an encounter with one of these guys Mm -hmm. you think meeting an entire planet of them is going to go any better when you're when you show up driving his car you're going to explain to them how you got this car it's like do you have the title ma'am i don't think you do (laughs) yeah maybe there's one that's more curious than this guy but yeah i mean it's more it probably is more of a military crew so maybe the people that actually live there or the engineers that live there are more understanding i don't know yeah but her line is uh, i deserve to know i'm like no you don't (laughs) you absolutely don't yeah, David questions her logic and counters that... Oh, no, she questions his logic. Because he's like, I don't know, lady. Yeah. And, uh, and she says, like, well, that's why I'm a human and you're an android. Yeah. Like, that, my my brand of curiosity 
differs from your more logic-driven brain. He's like, I'm going to kill you later. <laughs> he is. He's going to vivisect her. He's yeah. going to experiment on her and do awful things to her, uh, which I know a lot of people were pissed about because there were actually people who want, who still want a Prometheus sequel rather than Alien Covenant. Okay. Um, I think the reason we went with Alien Covenant is because the the general audience reaction was disappointment mm. uh, in wanting like a traditional Alien film, but. We end uh, the same way we do uh, the original Alien with a log entry uh, from Shaw. Uh, it's New Year's Day, 2094, and she signs off, last survivor of the Prometheus. Don't come here. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, she does say that, but uh, very similar to last survivor of the Nostromo. Mm. Um, and then uh, our final scene, Kyle. Yeah, you get a xenomorph at the very end. Uh, we get our... I do like the way this is done, uh, the way they shoot this. I think it's done really well. And I don't necessarily need more... I don't need xenomorphs in this movie. But it was kind of a mean tease, you know? It was kind of like, oh, we get it at the end. Okay, fine. I kind of wish it wasn't here in some ways. Because it's, one, it's not a xenomorph. And two, it... it, That... There's nowhere to go from there. Like, like... By the way, I forgot to mention, this takes place on LV-223. Uh, the only significance in that is that in case anybody's confused, this takes place before Alien, mm-hmm. and not only that, it takes place on a totally different planet, yeah. LV-426. Yeah. So, you know. But yeah, this Deacon thing, just going to starve to death on that planet. Yeah, it's not like, there, there's nowhere for it to go. So yeah. it's, it's born, it's kind of cool that we get to see it, but there's, from a narrative standpoint... It doesn't it's really not happen. a loose end, is what I'm saying. Yeah. It's not a tease for greater things. It's like, no, that thing's just going to die on that planet alone. Yeah, because it wouldn't have got on the ship because it would have definitely killed Shaw. So, yeah. Well, and we already have Covenant to confirm that that couldn't have happened. Because, yeah. like, we could have had, like, an Alien 3 scenario where it did get on the ship and, like, maybe merry mishaps ensue when they're, you know, in space flight or something. But no, we confirmed, no, that didn't happen. Yeah. That's uh, it. I mean, it ends on the xenomorph. Yeah, we we end on the deacon being born from the engineer. Uh, it looks pretty neat. It was a rod puppet uh, with some CGI gloss thrown on it to soften out some of those rough edges. It looks pretty cool, but it does fuck all. Yeah. It contributes fuck all to the lore, as far as I'm concerned, because as we as we talked about in Alien Covenant, David David's hand gives birth to the alien yeah. to the to the xenomorph. But um, yeah, that was Ridley Scott's Prometheus. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess wrapping up the alien franchise for now our master class of it but last thing and I, I know we've been talking for a long time Kyle but we've been talking about uh, a follow-up uh, to it like to having a David trilogy mm-hmm. do you have any thoughts on what you what you would like to see or what you expect to see if we if we do actually get like a concluding chapter to the David character well it's gonna have to it's gonna have to piece together to alien like if you're gonna round it out it has to have some kind of ending that leads to it so you do want the rogue one ending i i don't see how you can't not do it and what i mean by that folks at home if you're not aware is like actually showing the engineer craft crash on lv426 you don't need it actually because he says there's multiple ships yeah he did so you actually don't need that so i don't know i don't know how i would end the david saga i mean well actually that's a (laughs) Sorry to cut you off, but um, that is interesting because, again, as I understand, the zen- the proper xenomorph, which as far as I know, we still haven't actually seen, because the way it was born from Billy Crudup in Covenant, it's not a chest burster. It, do- it doesn't look like a yellow worm. It, it-, it comes out like a stick figure. Like it-, like it has appendages and stuff, and it does the cross pose in your shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
seem seemingly there's some slight differences between that and you know the the tall boy or whatever they call him a uh, tall chap or something <laughs> i think is what they called him the original alien um but the point i'm driving at here is that the the derelict spaceship that we had in alien 1979 where john hurt gets a gets a face hugger attached to him had the leathery egg sacs mm-hmm. which we would not see until david touched them mm-hmm so an engineer has David's aliens. It's in possession of something that they didn't make. That means that there's probably going to be an engineer that's going to wake up and they're going to come in contact with each other. That's kind of what I'm expecting. Mm-hmm. Is is like the conclusion of Alien Covenant is him, David, uh, in space flight with a an entire spaceship full of potential host bodies for xenomorphs, and then we just hard cut there. But they are going to land, and he is going to put aliens in many of them so he's going to continue his experiments on them while posing as Walter <laughs> but um, I, in that movie we did have the sequence where we saw him like lay waste to a planet of engineers I mean stands to reason there's other planets of them like maybe they'll come a call and <laughs> like, they'll be like hey buddy you've been uh, up to some shit yeah you've been <laughs> you've been starting some shit uh here's here's what happens yeah uh so maybe that's the conclusion is the engineers come for him and then take his shit <laughs> um and then something goes wrong again because the only engineer we saw in the original alien died from one yeah um so maybe a conflict between him and the engineers I'm not sure i don't know but that would be I think what I would expect if we are trying to Rogue One this shit and go like right down to what happened at the beginning of that movie. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Either way, I'm I'm excited and Ridley Scott's a pretty fucking great director, man. Yeah. Like like pretty much anything he makes, it's just like just pretty. just give it a shot. Yeah. <laughs> like there'll be something there for you. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I guess that concludes our discussion on Prometheus from 2012, directed by Ridley Scott. Uh, but in the meantime, folks at home. Uh, if you'd like to catch up on any of our other Catching Up on Cinema content, you can find all of that collected on our website at catchinguponcinema.com. You can also find us on the social medias, on the Instagram, at catchinguponcinema, as well as the Twitter, at catchingcinema. So feel free to hit me up at either of those. Uh, and the podcast is available on pretty much every hosting platform you can imagine, including Bitcade. So <laughs> fucking Google it. Mm-hmm. That being said, thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time. Yep.